Hey, I got this new dance for y'all called the Soldier Boy. Check out a punch, then crank back three times from left to right. And we are officially back. It's episode 34 of Keeping It 200. Again, another beautiful night. No bad weather. No, um, Hopefully no bad weather where you're at, Tavon. Uh, how did you enjoy your um, Saturday today? It was good. Just saw the um, March. Um, just finished watching the um, March 12, 12 um, 2001 episode of Vaughn. Was watching some AEW Dynamite, which is good. I, I agree. You know what I actually watched today, Tavon? I actually watched the TLC3 from the SmackDown show in Anaheim. Back in 2001, where Chris Benoit and Chris Jericho beat the Hardys, the ah. Dudleys, and um, Edge and Christian. And that, w- and that was, of course, the match where Chris Benoit did injure his neck. But it was a really awesome match. Ah. Um, but definitely, and, and all these SmackDown episodes are now finally up on Peacock, so that's awesome. Um, so at least I was able to check that out today. Um mm. But definitely, though. Um, hey, guess what we've got, though, Tavon, tonight? We've got a lot of stuff to get into. We had a versus between Soldier Boy and Bow Wow. Mm. We've had a AEW Dynamite show. We do have one NBA game going on, but that game right now is in the third quarter, and the Clippers are down 50-36 to 36 as the third quarter just began. It's the Clippers' lowest-scoring first half um, all season. And... Um, we also got ourselves some mailbag questions today. We've got about 10 mailbag questions today, and um, they actually are to everyone. Tavon got one. I've got a couple. Blackheart has one. Uh, Ash even had one um, addressed to him. I know that we've not seen him. Um, and the first question is, that we're going to answer on the mailbag question is, where has Ash been? Um, I, I, I'm going to go ahead and... Um, Take this one, Tavon, if you don't mind. But sure. when it comes to the podcast of Keeping It 200, it is specifically my show. And Ash, you know, is not an employee or nothing. Neither is Tavon, neither is Blackheart. All have their own independent jobs or and such. Um, you know, I'm very thankful Tavon does come and do the episodes with me. But if Tavon was busy, I would be like, oh, I understand. You know, we'll get you next time and everything like that. Uh, yeah, same something thing. like that. Exactly. And, and the same thing. And Blackheart, you know, he's not going to be able to do much more of the podcast with me um, because he's going to have to get ready to start back his show August 7th. And Blackheart's not going to be able to. And, and I will say this here, though. When you're stretching yourself out on two, three, four podcasts, the same opinions – are going to get very tiring, and then you're going to be very tired yourself. And then, and like for example, like for example, say like he goes into SummerSlam, and then I do a SummerSlam show. He's going to just say the same things that I just said, and then it's just going to be like, well, we can just check out his podcast and such. So that's officially why um, 
So, so, but Ash, uh, we don't know where he's at, and but we do hope Ash is safe and everything, and we uh, we assume Ash is and um, everything like that. So, um, but if Ash wants to come back and be on keeping it two hundred, he's more than welcome to at any time. Uh, doors always open for guests to just come by and listen or um, be on the show. That's always going to be like that. Uh, Tavon, this was a question asked to you. Uh, someone asked. What is um, one of your top three things to do, or could you list three things that you do that um, when you don't watch wrestling or NBA or anything like that? Ooh, that's a good question. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Oh, man. I mean, I might have to say um, three things to do. Um, I've kind of rarely... Rarely done this since, but I would have to say play video games, of course. <laughs> yes. I would have yep. to say, I would have to say watching something other than wrestling. I have been, I have been watching Disney Plus, and so there's that. Yeah. And uh, the third thing. Oh, you were saying? Oh, no, 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 no. I was letting you go. My bad, my bad. <laughs> oh, oh, it's, it's, it's fine. Um, third thing. Um, yeah, just watching YouTube videos, basically. Um, I'd say my top three things that I do whenever I don't watch wrestling or NBA is I definitely watch a lot of TV, um, which I will be definitely um, doing tomorrow and stuff. Of course, I work a day job. Um, so that so that's kind of uh, actually two day jobs. So, uh, so if I'm not at one job, um, at, uh, I'm always at the other. So I've always, you know, just try to just try to keep the podcast uh, supported <clears throat> and everything like that. You know, just to make sure to take it. You know, because weekends is like the truly the only days I have off. The rest of the week, I'm balancing out watching NBA, watching wrestling, um, working, and, and that's and that's actually a very tough job because you know because you know Tavon whenever I come on here I'm always prepared with the notes and everything like that and and and, that, and there is a lot of work that goes into the preparations of the yeah. every show you know mm-hmm. like for the co-guest you know like yourself it's more easier because you know you can just come in and you know and and it is the the person that runs the podcast to be the guy to inform everybody about what's going on questions wise and everything mm-hmm. like that um, and, and, it, and the job is to make the co-guest at least more easier as long as like, you know, the co-guests are up on everything. And, and usually you are, and I'm, and you never, you know, behind or anything, you know, the NBA draft stuff, you know, that was more of just you listening, which I do appreciate, but, but, you know, but, but yeah. of course a lot of people are not a big fans of the NBA draft or anything like that. You know, they just watch the draft that night. They don't usually know a lot about the prospects and such. Um, this question here um, was for Blackheart. Um, it was um, asked, would, um, would me and you be on the Off the Top Rope podcast when August 7th comes back? Um, I can answer my question. Um, I might be able to appear on a couple of episodes, but I'm not making no uh, guarantees that I will be on there every week. Um, because it's going to be very tough to do that. And do this podcast, um, but I, but um, Tavon, what about you? Would you would you want to be on the Off the Top Rope podcast, or have you been invited or anything like that? Um, I I would love to be be there. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say I would be there all the time, but 
I'll, I'll be there at least a few times, maybe. And hey, bringing in Brian. Um, hey, Brian, how, how's your Saturday been, man? What's up, Brian? So far, so good, guys. It's been pretty busy on this end. Glad I was able to wrap up a very solid episode of Dynamite. Oh, I agree. Um, I guess um, we've been just getting into some mailbag questions on Keeping It 200. It's our 34th episode. I'm, this is the second time I've ever done mailbag questions. Of course, um, the last 20-some episodes have featured Tavon, myself, Blackheart, um, Trey. We've all you know been on here, so we've all had a lot of – so there's been a lot of questions that I've let pile up because usually – I don't do weekly mailbags or anything like that. I might in the future, but nothing guaranteed yet. Um, this person did ask me, would there ever be any baseball talk on um, keeping it 200? Of course there will be baseball talk. Um, postseason, um, definitely. Definitely. Um, right now, I, I am watching. I, I am be, been keeping up with it, and I do hope the Boston Red Sox do win the World Series. Um, I do know Houston, there was someone that put like 3.3.5 mil on the Houston Astros to win, and the Astros right now are the leaders in the AL West. Uh, my favorite baseball team, though, is Boston and the Oakland A's. Uh, the Oakland A's I actually do love because of the movie Moneyball. So um, I definitely, definitely that's one of my top five favorite movies in sports, but also top five movies, but top ten movies in general. Love that movie. Brad, Brad Pitt should have actually won an Oscar for that. I, I don't know if he did, but he should definitely have won one. Uh, another question um, here, Tavon. This person here um, asked basically all of us, it, me, you, Blackheart, and Ash. And Brian, I'll even let you get this question in too. What is your guys' favorite Pop-Tart brand? Oh, uh, <clears throat> so I guess it, it, mine would have to be the, uh, the, the uh, Fudge Sunday. Tavon, what about you? Ooh. I might have to say because I I honestly forgot what flavor I tried it, but it was probably like a chocolate flavor, maybe. Chocolate flavor. Um, my favorite is the strawberry kind. I actually like the strawberry kind. Um, but my second favorite would be the original kind. I'm not a fan of any of the chocolate flavors of Pop Tarts, believe it or not. Um, but yeah. Uh, this next question here, um, because this will be the last one, because there's um, because the rest of these are for Blackheart and Ash, and they're not here tonight. Um, this question here was um, asked: um, When will we be doing an NFL betting show? Um, right now, it will definitely be on a Sunday, because usually that's where NFL would usually be the king of is Sundays. Um, but the last couple of Sundays have been. Very hectic. You've had WWE pay-per-views, then you've had a UFC pay-per-view, then you had an AEW pay-per-view. You've had Impact doing a pay-per-view. So hopefully next Sunday I can do an NFL betting show because I actually want to get one out before the season starts and everything like that. Um, and I do have most of my notes ready for all NFL stuff like that, but I know when I do this NFL betting show, it is going to be a long Two three-hour show because you're going to be going into all 32 NFL teams. Who's winning what division? You know, you got to pick a Super Bowl winner. You got to pick a MVP and everything like that. So uh, definitely, and that's all for those episodes right now.
um, for all of those questions right now. The rest of the questions are for Blackheart and Ash, and I will ask Blackheart and Ash that if they um, do decide to return um, on Keeping It 200. Um, there probably won't be a versus battle on here right now anytime soon because I've still got to figure out how I'm going to do that because that's 20 songs, and Tavon is going to have to be the moderator for that. Um, how about this year, though? AEW um, star Trent is currently recovering from neck fusion surgery, once again putting him out of action. Um, this more than likely will mean that he's out for at least six months to a year. Don't want to speculate. Um, uh, and we don't know how major the extent of the neck surgery was. Uh, Brian, I'll start with you. Um, what is your thoughts on Trent um, for the best friend's being out with another injury, and do you think um, – and what what is your thoughts on this? Yeah, I saw the news today, and, uh, you know, bummer. I, I, after Trent came back, you know, he had a couple matches, so I wonder if they were – there was just a couple uh, – you know, I don't know if he maybe re-injured something or maybe the doctors caught something, um, and they just were like, yo, we really got to take care of this now. And I, I know traditionally Trent usually kind of bumps around like a maniac anyways, so – uh, you know, uh, prayers to him. Hopefully he's back. But I, if you go back and remember, you know, Edge had the same surgery way back when, and he was up out for, I want to say, a year, a uh, year plus, mm-hmm. give or take. So, you know, we'll see how that recovery time does. I mean, I, I think maybe, if anything, I, I, the group, as far as best friends, could still function. Uh, I mean, you could definitely do some – uh, Chuck Taylor, I mean, he's not necessarily like the flashiest guy, but I mean, he's still a solid hand to have in there with Orange Cassidy and uh, paired with Cl- uh, Statlander. I think that's still like a nice little, nice little mid card group to have on your on your uh, weekly tele- television show. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, I, I really like Trent. Um, I, he, I have obviously come to be quite big fans of the best friends, especially if you go back and look at their uh, parking lot brawl versus uh, Santana and Ortiz and then the uh, arcade uh, anarchy, like, entire match. So uh, hopefully he can get back as soon as possible. I definitely agree. Neck fusion surgeries are very hard because, because of course, Stone Cold has had one. Kurt Angle has had one. Uh, Chris Benoit, um, who I talked about uh, on earlier on a bit because I saw the TLC3 match from SmackDown 2001. Of course, he had one. And neck fusion surgeries are very hard to judge by because you, it's it, it takes – because you don't know how long someone's out and you don't know everybody is more different. Remember, I know Stone Cold Steve Austin has had spinal stenosis. Even Sheamus um, himself um, – I believe had to go under the knife as well for a spinal stenosis or he almost did if I'm not mistaken. So, so it's, it's very, very tough. And the neck in wrestling is what NBA players knees are. You know, it it really is the most number one thing that a wrestler has to have. You know, it's, it's also, and I would like mention it like a quarterback as well. Peyton Manning has also had neck surgeries as well. He had five neck surgeries, I believe in, a spam of under 11 months, which is very crazy, but we all saw Peyton Manning come back and have still three more seasons of a Hall of Fame career, except his last year with Denver. But still, though, great. Um, just wishing Trent very, very, very um, slow, speedy recovery. Slow, speedy recovery. Tavon, what about you? What's your thoughts on the um, Trent neck fusion surgery? 
Yeah, it's it's pretty much tough for um, Trent. Hopefully, he um, feels better. Hopefully, he has a successful neck su- surgery, and we'll see where we go from here. Uh, definitely, definitely. Brian, I made sure to follow you on Twitter, so I just did. Um, and But, hey, I, I see that you also, you know, do a um, podcast yourself. Um, hey, if you're ever looking for someone to ever come on, I'd, I'd love to definitely come on. You know, I, I don't know if you're full or not with guests, but just um, just shooting my head in there. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that, buddy, for sure. Yeah, um, my co-host and I, uh, Lauren Gunn, we do a uh, Mavericks podcast. We're, we'll usually crank one out maybe once or twice a week for sure. Well, uh, uh, do you guys do them on Spotify Green Room, or do you guys pre-record them using Zoom or um, another site? Um, traditionally, uh, we'll record off for sure. Uh, we've done locker room live recordings before. I don't think Lauren and I have actually done a live Green Room recording, but uh, generally, we've been actually using Riverside as our primary platform. Really cool little site. I, I enjoy it so far. Well, definitely though. Uh, definitely, um, if you guys are ever looking for a co-host, I'll, I'll definitely be DMing you and keeping you up to date and stuff. And hey, you're always welcome to come on Keeping It Two Hundred. I'm not kicking you off. I'm just, uh, I'm just saying that that I've never um, <laughs> ever had you as a guest before, and it, it's definitely um, fun to always have new guests come on. Because um, I was literally talking, literally one more before you got in, saying that look here, like we we always welcome new guests every time. You know, you 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 know because guys like Tavon, you know. This is like I believe Tavon's now twentieth episode that he's been doing of keeping it two hundred, and of course I've been doing thirty four episodes um, and everything like that. So, so definitely I'm always breaking out at least probably three four podcasts a week, wouldn't you say, Tavon? Yeah. <laughs> um, how about this year though? Um, WWE has filed trademarks for Hatchman and Electra Lopez who is the Carista Veras, who had the match with Ty Valkyrie or Frankie Monet on Tuesday. On the shooting the shit uncensored last week, Molly Holly spoke about the two-month trial that she's currently doing as a WWE producer. Quote, So then I went to the Hall of Fame, or maybe it was WrestleMania anyway. Recently, I was asked if I'd be willing to do like a two-month tryout as a producer to see if something I would like I would want to do... And at first, I was like, no, I just, my life right now is so stress-free, like I'm super happy the way things are. And then they gave me a hard sell about how I would be at such, and they looked up to me, and then I could give a whole fresh perspective. They just gave me a lot of reasons as to why I should at least give it a try. So I am in a tryout period, and it's been positive so far. So I haven't decided, one, if I want to work there full-time. And they haven't decided if they want to bring me in full-time. They might say, like, oh, we thought you have brought to this table, but it turns out you weren't a good fit, something. So that's why I didn't make a big deal about this producer trial, because it might fizzle out and maybe nothing will happen. But so far, it's been a positive experience. Uh, Brian, would you? Um, how, what would you thought if Molly Hollywood were to become a full-time producer? Would you mind that, or...? Um, I, I know she's she's actually a very talented woman wrestler, and I know that she, I'm surprised they've not um, brought her in as an agent, maybe for the women. I mean, you probably would love to see it. Uh, you know, obviously there was the uh, odd discourse this week on um, WWE uh, releasing the 
writer that didn't have any knowledge of wrestling. So you probably want people in the backstage area that have kind of like a general idea. And I don't really know if they've really had a female producer slash agent um, in the back before. I mean, I don't really know what to recall Stephanie McMahon, and I don't really know how involved she is in the back or anything like that. Um, but it, it certainly wouldn't hurt. I, I mean, they, I, I, the ladies, for the most part, do, I feel like, need a little bit more agenting because, I, I mean, I, I, you know, well, I'm certainly open to trying different things, especially with a lot of these uh, ladies that are, you know, they're pretty rough around the edges. Not to say, like, uh, Sean Helms can't do a good job. It just, you know, they probably need something different at this point. And especially since Molly Holly is, like, a little familiar as far as what they're looking for as far as the work and everything like that. Maybe she can help these ladies or at least, like, put together a match that maybe will set them up for success at the minimum. Uh, Tavon, what is your thoughts on Molly Holly? Do you think that she would be a good producer? Or would you like to see her more as an agent role? I wouldn't mind her being a producer because, like, I mean, surely at this weight, um, the women's division, I mean, they, they pretty much need something for them going forward. Maybe Molly Holly can pretty much help them out, for, not just from, like, more so, more, up, more good from a match perspective but like also from a storyline perspective it, it would be interesting to see what what she plans to do uh the current leader in all producers is the former jason jordan of wwe and he took the spot from john laurinaitis because john laurinaitis was the head of all producers but was then bumped up to head of talent relations once again so Jason Jordan has been a part of probably the reason that she is a producer and such. Um, so definitely. Um, I actually would like to see her as an agent. The only agents that I believe they have right now that do help the women is Fit Finley. I do know that. And mm -hmm. Adam Pierce. And, of course, Adam Pierce is a guy that does do all the um, – most of everybody's matches as the agent because I believe he is the top agent or one of the top agents, which is why he is, which is why he's always on TV as a WWE official because most of the matches that he's he books, he, he's pretty much the guy that has laid out all the matches for them. Um, Shayna Baszler talked to Sports Illustrated about feeling that it's important to show that she can cover a whole wide range of what pro wrestling is today. I need to show that I can be counted on to nail whatever it is I'm being asked to do. It's easy to be a badass tyrant like I was in NXT. I can totally fit in that role. After establishing myself as that, it's important to show I can cover a wide range of, of professional wrestling is today. It's like music. Some people like country. Some like heavy metal. Not everybody. Not everything is for everyone. So I am what I am. All it takes is one sentence for a promo delivered pro properly. I am a legitimate badass. There's always there for me. I'm glad I can be on Raw and show a wider range. Um, Brian, back to you. What has your thoughts been on this Shayna Baszler Alexa Bliss feud? This is the first time I've ever asked you about this. So this is a fresh perspective. Uh, I mean, hey, if you enjoy it, more, more power to you. I will say in the nicest way, it is not for me. I thought they had a perfect kind of 
character gimmick with Shayna Baszler. It seemed like an easy sachet over from NXT, the main roster. You finally have a female Brock Lesnar. So like the female, or like the women's division, like in WWE has not had that in a very like since China. Like you know what I mean? Something like that, overpowering and like charismatic. Except now, you know, uh, Shayna has like you know the MMA background, so it's like oh wow, like this is really a female Brock Lesnar, and they've kind of diminished her. Uh, you know, if she's just being the good soldier, I mean. More power to her. I mean, you know, everybody has to do stuff they don't really want to do, ideally. And if she, I don't know if she's like really behind this or she's just trying to like, uh, you know, speak the good business speak, so to speak. You know, I mean, I I, I will say probably like a top top tier bottom angle for me. Uh, this is this has like uh, Papa Shango Ultimate Warrior vibes, like with the voodoo. Uh, the Alexa, Alexa Bliss character is really kind of creeps me out, and not like the way it's supposed to. It just seems kind of cringy. Where I, I'm not just like like Alexa's pretty much acting like a 12 year old girl, and she's like a wrestler. She has like mystical powers. It's just I'm for silliness, but it's just not for me. I agree. There's a level between silliness and then trying to copy The Walking Dead or trying to copy a show that does not work to people's perspective. Like, for example, I did a, I did a, a, a rant a little bit about the zombie match that Miz and Damian Priest had. And I understand that it's not Miz and Damian Priest's fault of what they're given because it, they're told to just do this and they get paid to do the best job that they can to sell it, as an actor should. Here's my issue that I had with it, though. I'm not a fan of The Walking Dead. I'm not a fan of zombie movies because, to me, all zombie movies are the same. All zombie shows are the same. No one knows how they came. There's never a plot. The zombies are never the main focal point. Chris Jericho even said years ago, um, which I don't know why he said this, but then again, this was a Jericho in 2017. He said this here. He said, on The Walking Dead, zombies are not the focal point. They're the background. They shouldn't be the background. They should be the focal point. If the show's called The Walking Dead, you should focus on The Walking Dead zombies. It should not be completely ass-backwards where we're focusing on characters. And if anybody's ever noticed, every zombie movie or show has always ended with everyone that's supposed to be working together, fighting, and not working together. And they always try to kill each other. Look at The Walking Dead. They've done it 12, 12 seasons, I believe. And everyone always gets killed or everyone's killing themselves. They're never helping. Um, they help to a certain extent, but not to the uh, fullest degree. Uh, Tavon, what's your thoughts on the Shayna Baszler comments? Um, Shayna Baszler makes some good points. Um, yes, she obviously was a badass in NXT. It, it kind of does pretty much. Because, like, see, here's the thing. Because, like, yeah, of of course, like the whole feud with Shayna and Alexa, it's not necessarily that that good. Um, it's uh, it's like see because like because the thing is is like Shayna when she was supposed to when when she debuted. Pretty much last year on Raw, it it was pretty much it was pretty much taken s- seriously, and it was at that point where yeah, Shayna Baszler pretty much has to be 
this this serious women, which which is understandable. I mean, the whole thing about her being a, a comedy character. I mean, I mean, it's it's good that she's um, it's good that she's uh, more so pretty much just doing doing what whatever, just doing well, doing her job professionally even though it's not necessarily good for her because i mean i mean she can she can be comedic sometimes she can be funny but the problem is i mean she can look a bit too fool, foolish at times so it's one of those things where yeah shayna i mean she can be comedic but at the same time she has to be serious to a certain extent otherwise it it kind of just doesn't work out that well I agree. I definitely agree on that. Uh, during the Twitch Q&A, Matt Hardy said that he wants the final gimmick of his career to be teaming with Jeff Hardy as themselves in AEW. Would you guys like to see that? Um, sure, why not? If it's kind of like a swan song type of thing, why not? But the, from what I saw, though, um, Jeff's, Jeff Hardy's contract, I think, goes until 2023. Mm-hmm. So that that's the only thing. Is everybody going to really be up for that in a couple of years when they're both older? I agree. Uh, I mean, I, I definitely want to see the Hardys in AEW. You know, I understand that it is the perfect send-off. But at that time, though, I, I don't know if Jeff Hardy would want to. You know, I mean, Jeff Hardy had a chance to literally leave WWE this year. Um, or last year before his contract was up and he just resigned, you know, and I'm, and I know WWE's paying him way more money than what AEW would pay him. I'm not saying AEW would lowball him, but I don't believe that Jeff himself wants to maybe be with another company because Jeff Hardy has always been a WWE lifer. You know, yes, I know he's had brief stints in the TNA for years, but you know, he has always been pushed to the best of the degree that WWE has always did. It's just now they just don't push him because, you know, they treat him as someone over 40. But Jeff Hardy, though, even when he returned in 2007, he was pushed into the Intercontinental Championship scene, then, of course, got into the WWE title scene and became a two-time WWE champion um, and then world heavyweight champion with the feud with CM Punk, which is honestly my favorite PG feud ever because I grew up and I saw every episode of SmackDown. Um, but definitely, though, I would love to see that if it um, were to happen. But I, but if I had to put a number on it, I'd say a 5% chance it happens. Tavon, what about you? Sure. It would be kind of cool for um, Matt Hardy and Jeff to pretty much have their last moments, especially when they're in a new company like AEW. It would be interesting to see. How about this here, though? If you guys are interested in New Japan World and don't have a um, or, or worried about signing up, don't worry. The July 1st and 2nd New Japan shows will air on New Japan World for free with no sign-up requirement. So if anybody wants to check out New Japan, I know New Japan has been very cold, but it's not New Japan's fault. It's been a lot of issues. You can, you can read the Wrestling Observer newsletters. You can read Fightful and more, where Will Ospreay, of course – 
has had issues with management, dropping the championship. Uh, COVID has hurt Japan more than anybody else would know in the wrestling world. Um, but definitely, though, it still though I, I still say New Japan still puts on very good matches. It, it, it's just they it's just they don't have the guys that they need right now. So. If you guys do, uh, just letting it out there. On Barstool Sports, Sports Wrestling with Brandon F. Walker earlier this month, Tony Khan discussed working with Sting. Sting, who is very much like a start today, um, Khan said, quote, I'll be honest, I don't know how you could screw it up with Sting because I've been working with Sting now for the last seven months. This is the easiest, greatest man that I've ever known. And he went to work. He wasn't looking for a 20 billion, uh, 20 Jillian either, I'll be honest with you, he would be very useful to any wrestling company in the world, and he wanted to do stuff, and he's at TV every week, he's a huge part of our roster, so I can count on him as a star of the present, Sting hasn't wrestled a match in many years, and this year he came back and wrestled two great matches and two different kinds of matches, he's very much proved that he's still a star of the present, uh, Brian, I- I've not been a big fan of Sting in AEW, because... My reason is, I understand that you want to protect this guy, and and it is the right thing to do. You, you should protect your legends. However, he's been more of he hasn't been the guy that I would like to see. Like I understand he doesn't have to have a match every week, but he needs a match at least once a month. He's to me, I've always felt like just Sting just does nothing but promos and just sits in Darby Allen's corner, and then he just has the matches on the pay per views. What what has your thoughts been on the Sting and? Uh, I'll be honest, Zach. I I've, I will say Sting has provided me the probably the two loudest pops I've done at home, like in the last year. I mean, you you go back in December, right? I mean, when he debuted, like I, I popped like crazy. So that was definitely the la- the biggest pop I gave out for the pandemic era. And then you go back in the pay per view, double or nothing where he rises up, no-sells the suplex, and does the dive and takes off the shirt and bangs his uh, chest, and the crowd goes nuts. And I was like, oh, my God, this guy, this freaking guy. Um, I, I, I know, like, kind of the, I guess, the promos and then, like, the direction of Sting and Darby hasn't been from everybody. It's a very, very slow, methodical burn. So it, it's not going to simmer at first, but once it peaks, oh, my God. Like, it's just a chef's kiss. Like, I, I've really enjoyed what it does. And it, it's so crazy to me because you go back and look at, at Sting, what Sting's doing, like, at 62. WWE had him seven years younger, and it's just like, guys, how did you mess this up? Like, why did you beat this guy twice? I believe they let him win a mick. He he won a tag match with John Cena and Raw. That was his mm-hmm. only win in WWE. And I'm just thinking, like, you guys had this guy at your disposal. He's, like, you, you know, Tony Khan just spoke so highly of him. Like he's easy to work with. He's not a diva. He's not. He's not a butthead. So I don't know how you mess that up. But I, I've really enjoyed. Like I've enjoyed Sting's like uh, presence on WWE. If anything, if I could provide some perspective for you, Zach, look at it this way. Like if you weren't a big Darby Allen guy, I feel like at the end of the day, whatever they finish up this program with, like whether Sting like veers off Darby eventually or not, like that's 
hearsay, but he's getting the sting dust rub. You know what I mean? Like Darby was already getting over really big. He was already one of the, uh, like AEW's like highest like rated watchers are like highest rated like wrestlers to watch like on the, the ratings right. So that's only helped him. I mean, it, Darby's only probably got uh, a few more years left the way he goes. So um, why not try to give him the rub? And it was really cool to see Singh actually get a pinfall victory in a live crowd situation. That was like awesome. I, I, I will agree. I've been a big fan of Darby Allen though since the Co- Cody match at Fighter Fest, like back in twenty nineteen. So I've been a huge Darby Allen fan, and I've and I and I literally popped hard just as you did, but when I popped extra hard when Darby Allen beat Cody Rhodes with a roll-up at the AEW pay-per-view to win the TNT Championship. Um, but my thing has always been, though, that I felt that that I didn't think Darby needed Sting because Sting was... Because I feel like Darby's already over, and he's going to get more over whether Sting is, you know, with him or not. But I love Darby Allen, and, you know, but I, but I understand why what they're trying to do. And I know the Sting-Darby Allen match will be something to watch for because I know th- th- it's definitely the plan the next couple of months down the road. It's, it's obvious, you know, um, because, because right now, and, and that's what it is, it's teasing, you know, the dissension now. And it is better than what WWE is doing with Sting. I could agree because when Sting was in WWE, they gave him the feud with Triple H. Of course, you know, of course Sting's pop though at 2014 Survivor Series is incredible. It's, it's one of the greatest ever. Because it's it's really unexpected, and when you watch it later in like you know now in 2021, it's really awesome to see. Because remember, the network was struggling and everything, and and this kind of you know bolted the network back up um, to a degree to where investors were happy and WWE themselves were happy. And also with Sting, you know, with the Seth Rollins feud, I enjoyed it. But when I look back at it now, I don't, I didn't, I don't enjoy looking back at it because remember, I do remember like Seth had the statue, he was the double champion, and they wanted Sting to play the Joker of TNA, and and then and then of course you know the match with Seth, you know had had he not gotten injured. It's a what if of what they would have did with Sting, you know, would they have kept bringing him back every couple of um, months or they would have just used him for like Royal Rumble appearances or just a big WrestleMania match. You know, it's still a what if because I I, that's how I feel about Sting's career in WWE because he he technically did get snake bitten by a a bad injury and WWE was never going to clear him again. And, you know, he got cleared. He he's 62. He still works awesome. He's uh, he's one of the best workers today, and and you really can't ask for nothing better um, with Sting because Sting is really someone that that you that you want to see succeed, and you want him to definitely go out with the parade of roses that he definitely should, you know. And Sting has done everything in wrestling, um, basically. He really has, you know. He's been in WCW, he's been in WWE, he's been in TNA, he's been in AEW, he's been he's been everywhere, you know. His whole entire career, he's beat Ric Flair, he's. He's been in the ring with guys like Seth. He's been in the ring with Triple H. You know, for better or worse, whatever anyone wants to say about the WrestleMania match, Sting did say, I was okay with that finish, and he was actually happy about it because Sting knew, I'm not going to go over and Sting didn't want to go over it. Now, if this was 2003, whenever they were bringing in Goldberg and 
guys, you know, Hall and Nash, that the contracts expired from WCW, then I think Sting would have had a more different perspective about losing Triple H at WrestleMania. But Sting was just at that time where he's just like, you know, I, I just, I don't mind. I just want to be here and just have a WrestleMania moment. Savon, uh, what's your thoughts on the um, Tony Khan's comments about Sting? Um, Tony Khan's thoughts on Sting? Uh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, about on Barstool Sports, yes, sir. Oh, um, yeah, um, yeah. Sting, he's um definitely a legend. It yes, it was. It's good to see him pretty much um in AEW. I mean, knowing that um like what um Brian said about with pretty much WWE. Yeah, it, it's safe to say that WWE, they they pretty much kind of dropped the ball with them. And it, it didn't necessarily start there at WrestleMania 31. It, it all goes way back. It pretty much goes way back 20 years ago in 2001 when WWE, of course, bought out WCW. Of course, Stain's contract. It, it wasn't owned by WCW. It was more so or less owned by A AOL. I I assume. Yeah, yeah AOL Time Warner. Yes, sir. You got it right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Vince decided. Yeah, he's not gonna pretty much get the contract, and yeah, we're just gonna do the invasion angle. Except we're not gonna have people like Goldberg and Sting and Ric Flair there until pretty much later. So. Yeah, but yeah, um, so far, staying in AEW, I mean, it's pretty much been good, and somewhere down the line, when Sting versus Darby Allin happens, it's going to be a great match, it's going to have a great culminating storyline to it, and yeah, I just, I just expect great things to happen for Darby Allin, not only just for that match, but down the line afterward in his future. I agree. I definitely agree. How about this year, though? Money in the Bank. You know, last pay-per-view that we had for WWE Hell in a Cell, they didn't even advertise you a card till the week beforehand. And this card here for Money in the Bank, we've already got five matches set. That's incredible. Um, yeah. It's actually funny. Uh, we got the men's Money in the Bank ladder match. That's Ricochet, John Morrison, Riddle, Big E, and four, order, and four more. So this should be a really good men's match. The women, on the other hand, should be more comedy. No offense, because it's got Asuka, Naomi, Alexa Bliss's voodoo, Nikki Cross as um, the superwoman on CW, um, except in gold, and Carmella, and three others, which, of course, Liv Morgan should technically be in this because she yeah Liv Morgan should definitely be in there exactly um Rhea Ripley Charlotte Flair for the Raw Women's Championship for the third straight time uh Bobby Lashley defends his WWE title against Kofi Kingston and just announced today it was Roman Reigns defending the Universal Championship against Edge we all knew we were going to get this match one-on-one because this was what Vince wanted this was what was played planned out for Wrestlemania but we're getting it at Money in the Bank um Brian back to you is this uh, the Roman Reigns Edge match? Are you looking forward to this match, or how how do you feel about this match? I was a little lukewarm on the introduction to the feud, like reintroduction to the feud last night. 
the the placing of the promo was really strange to me because if you go back and listen to what Roman was saying, you know, there's nobody left. We beat, you know, we beat everybody, and you know, Edge did technically lose the Roman already, and then there was the awkward head turn where Edge couldn't find Roman yesterday, and you know, ah. And I haven't really been a fan of Edge's promo work, I'll be quite honest, since he's returned. Now, obviously, Mm -hmm. the WrestleMania match was, you know, really good. I I, I don't know if, like, the story and promo is there. I just need a little bit more substance, like, within SmackDown, because the only... What you should have done, but I know, obviously, with his schedule, like, you can't do it right now. Like, Roman says, I've beaten everybody, there's no one left, and that's when John Cena's music should have hit. And then you said, hey, I'll see you at SummerSlam. Like, I don't even really need Roman in every pay-per-view. Like, I really don't. I mean, I think, hindsight, I probably would have enjoyed his squash with Ray a little bit more based on what happened in the last Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. But I don't know if I need Roman on every pay-per-view if it's going to just be kind of like a nothing feud. Because are you going to roll Edge back? Like, and SummerSlam, you know what I mean? Because, like, I would almost rather Roman have, like, a middling feud with, like, Dom and then go to Edge at SummerSlam if there's not this big plan. But, I mean, I think it'll be I think it'll be a fine match on the night. I mean, you've got two ladder matches. Uh, I mean, I'm not – I'll be honest. I, I don't like the two ladder matches in the same night. I kind of hate it. I just need one. That's all I need. Just give me one. Um, and, you know, all the other matches – I, I think it'll be helped with the live crowd. Now, keep in mind, it is a smaller venue in Texas. So just keep that in mind. It's not this, like, big 10,000. I, I think they might have six or 7,000. So that might, that'll might that definitely help. Maybe that'll bolster the energy of the wrestlers. But I, I think it looks fine on paper. I, I think, like, the match I'm looking most forward to would be Kofi and uh, Lashley. I think that, that'll be a fight, uh, you know, match of the night for me. But everything else is kind of just like, you know, I, I, I'm not really emo- that emotionally invested, but I've liked what Kofi and Xavier have done, been able to do with, like, the Hurt Business. I, I agree. Um, but I also feel like here's the reason why they're bringing back Edge, because they want to go ahead and sell out this Money in the Bank. I, I do know that the Money in the Bank show is almost completely sold out. So that's why I know that they want to just go ahead and just finish out selling out the rest of these tickets. Edge did get a babyface pop at WrestleMania, despite the fact he was a heel. The entire feud between Daniel Bryan and Roman Reigns um, and um, and himself. And Edge did cut one great promo on the SmackDown Go Home show of WrestleMania. He did cut an awesome promo, and I did love that. Now, and I agree with you 100%, Brian. They did have Edge like lose definitively. He lost definitively um, at WrestleMania. In fact, they even made a shirt that said, um, beat him, stack him, pin him. And it had, it had Edge on the bottom. So I, but again, it's WWE. And, you know, this is, you know, this is their last month where they do lazy booking, you know, because this is lazy booking. You're just, you're just reheating another feud, you know, just, just because you don't want to do anything and then SummerSlam next month is where they really get back into it you know they're gonna have fans and everything and this just the it's just their last month of just doing something of simple booking and everything like that um so yeah um Tavon what's your thoughts on the Roman Reigns edge match that we're gonna get now at Money in the Bank um 
I'm pretty much excited for it. Yeah, um, I could probably agree with you to a certain extent. Yeah, they probably should have had. Yeah, they should have had Roman versus Edge one on one at WrestleMania. But okay, I mean, fine. I mean, I suppose we could pretty much have it at um Money in, in the Bank, pretty much. Yeah. Um, how about this here, though? One other um, person that went into surgery this week, it was Montez Ford. He had a picture that he put on Instagram with Bianca Belair, his wife, there. Um, he, he, did, he did undergo some surgery, but it's expected he won't be out long. It was reported by the Wrestling Observer newsletter of um, Dave Meltzer that it was voluntary surgery that's not related to any injuries. So it could be just something of tonsils. Or a toxolentomy, or it could have been something appendant. Uh, I, those are the only things that I would think of, or it could be because it, those are the only two things I would think of that would make it where someone could not miss surgery that long. Because toxolentomy, I understand that that you know some people do need their tonsils removed to sleep better at night. You know, and Montez Ford is getting ready to go back on the road, so I'm pretty sure he probably thought, you know, if, if I'm getting ready to go back on the road. I need to probably get this fixed so that way when I'm back on the road, I can at least sleep better at night. Um, Tavon, is this a big deal or a little deal or no, no deal at all? Mm, It's kind of a little deal. Unfortunately, it looks like the street profits, they'll kind of be pretty much out. I mean, Montez Ford, he'll be pretty much wrestling in Angelo Dawkins. It looks like he'll be prob well, not that they n- not that they're gonna split him up split him up. They're not gonna split him up, but it looks like Angelo Dawkins he'll be doing some s- solo work. So there's that. Brian, what is what is your thoughts on the Montez Ford um surgery? Uh, I haven't really heard specifically like what it could be. I mean, if it's so, if it's something uh, minor, like you were saying, Zach, hopefully he's back soon. But man, that, that would be a, a low key guy. I would love to actually see the Money in the Bank match, especially if they're doing this trend of having dudes that can fly around and do a lot of crazy stuff. I mean, obviously Ricochet's in there. Rick, Ricochet's not going to win. He's obviously in there to serve a purpose and do a lot of crazy stuff on the ladder he's been in money back money in the bank money in the bank matches before so you know what he can do in there but i mean i, I think montez ford would be a, a really fun guy to have in there and maybe have that like one moment where it's like oh my god is this tag team guy going to actually win the briefcase just because uh you know if and when they break up the street profits i feel like ford you know that that's a guy you could easily shoot i agree um Getting into some NBA, um, Brian. This is no pun intended. We, we I was literally going to cover this because um, I wanted to make sure what Portland was doing first. But it is agreed that Jason Kidd is now going to become the new Dallas Mavericks head coach. Nike's Nico Anderson will be joining as GM of the Dallas Mavericks. Um, Brian, I'm going to let you go with this here. Um, take as long as you want with this. What is your thoughts on the former Dallas Maverick, Jason Kidd, um, back again and having J.J. Barea now as his uh, top assistant? And what has been your thoughts? Because I've wanted to ask a Dallas Maverick this year. What has been your thoughts the last couple of weeks of what's happened? Because it seems like it seems like it was like the – like if I had to compare the Dallas Mavericks 
last couple of weeks. It's like when Bitcoin shot up to like a dollar, and then Bitcoin goes down to like thirty cents, and everybody starts losing their minds. Like like when Heath Ledger said, "Well, everybody's losing their minds," you know, and you know we had Chris Porzingis come out with he wasn't happy with his role. Luca saying that he did not know if he wanted to be a Maverick full time in the or the, uh, for the long term of the future. Donnie Nelson was let go. Rick Carlisle stepped down. Um, I wanted to ask you, what, what has been um, the Dallas Mavericks' thoughts in Dallas about this? Oh, man. Uh, it's been a lot. It's that meme that says you're fine and everything's on fire pretty much. I, it's been a weird roller coaster of emotions. I mean, I, I've been watching and following this team, obviously, for a very long time. And I've never really have felt like this before. I mean, I, obviously the uh, losing in Game Seven was, you know, that was, you know, super unfortunate. Uh, but you know, I, I at the end of the day had the Clippers winning the series. I, I either way, so I wasn't really too disappointed. Um, obviously, the Mavericks losing in seven when they're up 2-0 kind of sucks. But I mean, Clippers did that earlier to Utah and maybe potentially to um, Phoenix as well if the series flips in their favor. The rapid amount of change in such a short amount of time was really just, I mean, shocking, absolutely shocking. The Tim Cato article drops, uh, and then everything kind of just goes out of the whack. Uh, Donnie Nelson departs. It's that mutual phrase of, hey, we're going to, like, we've parted ways, but it's like, that's the nice, I think, political way to say the guy got fired. I was under the impression it was time for a change in the GM role, but you read Tim Cato's article, it seemed like Cuban was really holding the team hostage as far as like running the franchise for quite some time. Didn't really know the background on that. Of course, Cuban's got the Bob Volgaris analytics guy that, um, you know, Luca doesn't like. Apparently, this Bob Volgaris guy has had a lot, a lot of, uh, you know, he's had Cuban's here, so he's been able to get feedback on trades and graphics and such. So not really a fan of that. And now, you know, Carlisle steps down. It was like, what, what is going on here? So the Carlisle thing is interesting. A lot of people think that's, that's Lucas doing. Uh, I don't know if Rick just said, you know, Hey, I'm out. Like this is just all kinds of stuff sitting in a fan. I don't want to deal with this anymore. Maybe Rick didn't want to kneel potentially deal with a good a new gm he's known donnie nelson i believe for over two decades now so they obviously had a good relationship and uh you know we went from maybe looking at a really steady hire at jamal mosley a guy he's really de- he really deserves a head coaching gig he's uh luca likes him so that was the easiest layup ever and all of a sudden now jason kidd is the coach i will say this in the nicest way uh, possible is that oh go ahead oh no no, no go ahead go ahead i'm sorry yeah I was going to say, um, the Jason Kidd hire, the nicest way possible. This is not for me. This hire is not for me. I think it's very tone deaf for Mark to go this route. I, I think knowing Jason Kidd's history of domestic violence and the Mavericks still having ongoing investigations of the sexual scan- like uh, harassment scandal for about 18 months ago, it's just very concerning how the lack of just, you know, awareness from like this hire is just really frustrated me with uh you know hiring jason kidd and not to not to mention he's not a very good basketball coach at all 
and he does not have good relationships with players. Now, of course, you've got LeBron endorsing him, and, you know, um, that's great. Um, but, you know, LeBron's not going to have to deal with him. And no disrespect to LeBron, he, you know, who's really running the Lakers? Who's who's the head coach of the Lakers? Is it uh, LeBron <laughs> or Frank Vogel? Like, you know what I mean? So, like, LeBron's vote of confidence for this hire does not do me any good. And I will just say, at best case scenario, the kid's a figurehead. He's an avatar, and hopefully he does not mess anything up. Now, uh, with J.J. Brea potentially coming on board as assistant, I could easily see Brea maybe potentially slipping in as the alternative uh, for Kid if, if you know, if and when he gets, uh, you know, let go. Because I can't see Kid lasting. If Kid lasts more than a year, I will be shocked. I just I can't see this experiment going well. It's um, you know, a lack of self awareness on Cuban's part, like knowing. Hyperbar, like I'm not being hyperbolic here, Zach. This is the most important offseason in this franchise's history, and this is not the play, not the gamble to make. I agree with you, Brian. You, you, you really do nail the coffins on the head because, and I, and I've been on this show the last couple of weeks. I've talked about this here with Tavon, and I even made a lot of jokes on um, Friday or Thursday it was, um, and I said. If I'm Jason Kidd and I got to do this because Rick Carlisle, you know, no offense, when he did do the Indiana Pacers, you know, when he got hired, the the last comment that he said was, I'm glad I can work with unselfish players. And I felt that was a shot right at Luca and Chris Dabbs. And and I literally said this here. I said, if I'm Jason Kidd, I want 15 million. I want a quarter office with a view. I want his private plane to and back. Whenever I get – whenever I want, because Mark Cuban – and to me, I compare Mark Cuban to Vince McMahon because I feel Mark Cuban just is just doing these little short-term things, and it's just instead of building a wall or, you know, or building something better, he's doing a short-term route and just putting glue everywhere and saying, oh, this is, just looks fine, or putting some duct tape and saying, this looks fine. You know, he's literally just getting – Yes, men to me, and I don't feel that's the right thing. I honestly thought the head coach was going to be Dirk Nowitzki, um, because I felt Dirk was someone that Mark loves more than anybody, and I know he's always wanted Dirk to be something huge to Dallas. Either Dirk was going to be the head coach, or Dirk was going to be the new president of basketball operations. That's what I honestly thought. Think. Then there was rumors that Michael Finley was going to get the job, and I was like, eh. I'm like, to replace Donnie Nelson with Michael Finley, I'm like, man, I'm not a fan of this, and. And to me, I don't understand what happened with Dallas. You know, Dallas really was the team that beat the Clippers almost. If it had Tim Hardaway Jr. not been injured in Game 7, and Chris Stepps had, you know, a 30 game, and you had someone else step up too, and because Luka did great in that series. I don't think that we have the problems in Dallas that it is, but I feel like it's very tough. And, for example... Tim Hardaway Jr. is a free agent. They're going to have Boban Marjanovic. He's a free agent. You know, Chris Stapps, you know, more than likely will be traded to me because I just – the way everything's going in Dallas. And Jason Kidd really now has to try to build a better team and try to make this team better. To me, I don't feel the team's going to get better. I think the team's going to be the 42-40. and 40. I think they're going to be a seven seed. I don't feel Dallas is going to get better from this. 
Um, a lot of people believe Dallas is getting better, but I don't believe that yet because there's still so many issues. For one, there was a lot of issues that need to be that need to be resolved um, front office wise, but also on the court. You know, Luca is the guy that you build around. That's no question. But you also need to go out and you need to get some perimeter defenders. That was the big issue that killed Dallas um, when they literally blew the 2-0 lead and they literally kept going back and forth with L.A. Uh, Tim Hardaway Jr., they definitely need to resign. But if if I'm Dallas and I'm Mark Cuban, I don't feel Mark Cuban's going to resign um, Tim Hardaway Jr. I feel that he would let Tim Hardaway Jr. walk. Um and I'm very and I'm very worried about this Dallas team because if I'm Jason Kidd and I'm saying yes to this deal, there must have been a lot of money thrown at him because there's just no way. Because remember, this is a guy that didn't even want the Portland Trailblazers job, and the Portland Trailblazers job is more better than Dallas. However, Portland is in the same, you know, in that boat where I don't feel Portland's going to get better themselves next year neither you know remember had the lakers anthony davis and lebron not been injured we're looking at dallas in the play and we're not looking at the we're not looking at dallas as the six seed and and that's going to be tough um i'm sorry the five seed but it's still though we're still not going to be seeing them i don't feel dallas is getting better i just don't feel that way Tavon, what about you do you feel that dallas is going to get better with this or do you feel there's still a lot more under the rug that hasn't been seen yet. I'll go with the second thing you said. There's there's a lot that needs to be uncovered. And while Dallas, they look like a good team, they might not necessarily make it that far next season. So it's it's pretty much a yeah, it's pretty much a bummer to say. I, I don't think they won't necessarily be that much better next season. Yeah. Um, next up for our head coaching hires, congratulations to Chauncey Billups on becoming the new head coach for the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, the candidates for this job were Becky Hamilton and, of course, Mike D'Antoni, who I've honestly felt like Mike D'Antoni's not been getting the credit that he deserves because everyone keeps saying, oh, well, Mike D'Antoni's just this guy that just knows offense. And I'm like, wasn't that Terry Slots in Portland? No offense, because it wasn't like Portland was a great defensive team. In fact, they were bottom five the last three seasons with Terry Slots as the coach and got worse defensively every year with Terry Slots as the coach. Uh, again, Portland to me is like the same team that I've mentioned. Chauncey Billups, I don't think makes Portland better, but I feel like when you have Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum, if they keep that duo together, which I've not heard they want to, but you never know because we, we don't know how every NBA team operates. You know, every time we say someone's safe, they're never safe. <laughs> Terry Slots said that they got eliminated by Denver. I have two years left on my contract. That doesn't matter. They fired your ass because you, you, you were the guy that couldn't get past the first round. And to me, Portland's issue has been let's go second round. Or better, and that's a success. I don't feel Chelsea Billups brings better success because, no offense, Chelsea Billups' whole career as a Piston was Eastern Conference Finals NBA champion. But also, been the Pistons, you know, in, after 04 05, they were basically a team that was Eastern Conference Finals or second round, and then they 
got worse as the years went on. And then I don't feel Chauncey Billups brings a lot to the table because, remember, this is going to be his first time now as a head coach. Uh, Brian, what is your thoughts on um, Chauncey taking over in Portland? I mean, it's definitely not the easiest job to take. Uh, You know, Billups was obviously a guy that Portland was interested in, and they went Chauncey. And like you were saying, Zach, the, the Portland has you know, I don't I don't want to say similar problems like the Mavericks, but they're kind of stuck as far as their roster like uh, upside. There's not really much high like what else can Dame and CJ really do collectively? Uh, Nurkic is a useful player, but he can't stay healthy or stay on the court. They gave up I want to say two first round picks for Robert Covington and. Ooh, man, that does that does not look good at all. And you know they they made the trade for Norman Powell, and I don't think they're going to resign Norman Powell. And I don't really, I I don't know what else you can do on that roster to you know be a top three, top four team in the e, I mean, the Western Conference. I really don't. I mean, if you guys have been following Dame the last like forty eight hours, he's been sending out really odd tweets. Just like really strange. Like uh, if you go back and look at his recent tweets within the last like couple hours, he's you know throwing something out there. Like it, I don't know if he's trying to send something cryptic, like he's trying to say send a message or to Portland, like hey, get me some help or you know hey, he wants out kind of thing. I don't really know. I mean, uh, like with with a coaching, you know. Everybody, I guess, always likes to use, like, I guess the Jason Kidd uh, booting holes are an example, right? I mean, look what happened to uh, booting, or, you know, the Bucks once uh, Jason Kidd left. They they made it to the Eastern Conference Finals. So a lot of people think, well, maybe you could have the same thing. It's just like, I mean, Terry Stotts was not a bad coach. I don't think he was a bad coach. He was a pretty... Uh, he was a pretty redundant coach offensively. I think he was stuck in his ways, uh, where he wasn't really like open to changing things up. So there's maybe like offensively you can make tweaks, but like I think this team, is, this roster is plateaued. I really just don't think there's really that much more upside for it to go. I, I agree. I just I I, I want to be positive about Portland, but I feel Portland themselves need to realize. That CJ and Dame is as far as they're going to go. They've they've got to realize that. There's Portland Trailblazers fans that are very stuck in their own ways. You know, I don't mean to insult Portland fans, but Portland fans are the first people to insult other NBA franchises whenever they think that they have something and they don't. No, No offense to Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard is top five in his category as a point guard. He is. He deserves to be all star in all NBA. But at the same time, though, Portland fans believe. I feel like Portland fans are like the Twilight Zone whenever you watch that show. They're stuck in their own ways, but they don't know how to get out of the Twilight. Because, you know, before it was Dame, it was LaMarcus Aldridge. Before Aldridge, it was Brandon Roy. Um, before Roy, you know, you know, this was the team that, you know, had the Rasheed Wallaces, the Bonzi Wells, and, you know, and then, of course, you can go back to the 90s and 80s of the Drexlers and um, Walton um, and, and et cetera. And I feel like Portland fans just think, well, we don't have to, like, you know, we'll be fine. You know, we're going to be this team. Yeah, you're going to be a good regular season team, but when it comes to the postseason, Portland's just not there. You know, they're just they they got to find something that clicks 
But CJ and Dan is not the clicking thing no more. They're just it, 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 it's like it's like turning the channel to every cable station that you have if you have satellite on DirecTV or something. You can keep flipping as much as you want. If you don't find it, you're just not going to have it. Tavon, what is your thoughts on it? Yeah, basically, um, Portland it's it's on a loop every single season, and it's like if they don't give Dame any help, I mean, chances are they might just be looking to go somewhere else if that's the case. Definitely. And, and you got to start wondering, you know, how happy is Damian Lillard about Chauncey Bills? Remember, he wanted Jason Kidd, and Jason Kidd said he wasn't interested. And, you know, Dame is now saying Jason Kidd is now a coach in Dallas. And So, anyways, though, let's get to AEW Dynamite tonight. Um, I thought this was a good show. But here's what I love mostly about AEW tonight. We didn't have it right after SmackDown. And I felt yeah, like that's that, a good thing. And, and I felt like I could breathe finally, you know, because, you know, all week, I, you know, and, and wrestling fans know this. It's hard to watch Dynamite, Raw, SmackDown, NXT weekly. And don't forget, we're going to have Rampage coming in August. And it's tough for us. Because because for wrestling fans, it's very tough. You know, like, Brian, you have a day job yourself. You, you probably have a lot of things that you do outside of, you know, of your job of podcasting and such, you know. And you want to hang out with friends and stuff. But now it's like, it's like now, like they're saying, oh, we're giving you another show. And then the last two weeks, we, we've done, we're drowning you in so much wrestling on Fridays. And I felt like tonight... It was perfect. It could have, and for people that were saying, "Well, the UFC owns Saturdays at 8. That's true, but no one ain't killing themselves to go watch the UFC prelims. I don't mean to use that in a bad derogatory way, but I'm not heard anyone really say, "Wow, you really need to go out the way and see this UFC prelim," because the UFC prelims last week did um, did not do good. They, they didn't do good, but the UFC prelims don't ever do good. And it's just like, now, if it's a pay-per-view week, I understand. But if it's not pay-per-view week, then that's the silly notion. Um, Brian, what did you think of Dynamite being from Fridays at 10 to, you know, tonight at 8, you know, live? Uh, definitely, uh, the, the, like the, the breathing part, I mean, definitely with you. Uh, it felt like it was on its own, um, you know, hemisphere. I mean, obviously... They had the uh, Clippers game tonight. Um, you know, I think that, that started like the second hour of Dynamite, but it was nice to have like a different feel. And, you know, it kind of sucks, obviously, going at 9 o'clock, you know, uh, Central, uh, t 10 Eastern. It's like out of their control. Um, a lot of people have been kind of saying, ah, you know, they've been kind of lazy with their booking here lately. I mean, you know, it, it, to be fair, they're about to go on the road I don't really see it's in their best interest to basically unload all their good stuff on nights of which are kind of just like, you know, nights where not a lot of people are going to be watching. Now, you know, a lot of people also are going to DVR Dynamite, especially nights like this, but I cannot wait for next week for Dynamite to go back on its normal night because, you know, especially with basketball winding down, you know, my calendar is a little bit more wide open. So, like, I mean, obviously, I, I'm a huge nerd anyway. I'm going to watch Dynamite Live, but uh, I'm definitely looking forward to that. And as far as, like, the show tonight as well, um, 
Definitely very good, you know, excellent, excellent main event. Um, I think if I had to grade it on a curve, uh, you know, a curve, I'd, I'd probably maybe like an 8.5 out of 10. Um, really, really fun up and down. A lot of good promos, a lot of good angles. Um, really banger of an opener. And uh, I was happy. Uh, it seemed like in the last couple of weeks, Dynamite was kind of just, you know, kind of just there. And again, it's not their fault. They were kind of just working with what they got. But it, it was nice to see them uh, return back to normal. Uh, I actually, I actually liked what you said. Uh, great verbiage and everything. I, I, I like that, Brian. You know, eight point five out of ten. I, I definitely agree with you right there. Um, great insight, though. And, and, and I, and I do hope that your schedule does, you know, stay light and everything like that. I hope everyone's schedule stays light and everything because, because, because of course, you know, next month is where we're really kicking it back into full gear with fans and stuff. And don't forget, pretty soon in August, you know, just because we'll have wrestling. We all know the NFL will be back with preseason. We all know that. And, you know, training camps will be starting at the end of July anyway. So so that's definitely, um, definitely. Tavon, I, I want to ask you this here. Um, what did you think of Dynamite Show tonight? And um, what would you give the um, grade tonight on the show? Dynamite was um, good tonight. It was a um, solid show. Um I'm definitely with you and Brian. I mean, it being on a Saturday was a fresh feel. If you actually think about it, I think AEW Dynamite being on Saturday night tonight, I mean, it kind of reminds you of WCW Saturday Saturday night, if you really think about it. It does. And even Jim Ross and Tony Schiavone mentioned that at the top of the show. Because Jim Ross said that's how he started off working at WCW. Remember, he remember I believe it was him and Paulie Dangerous, which of course, if anyone does not know, that's Paul Heyman. They were they. I remember them personally doing you know shows. You know, I've looked back at the network and you know they would always be you know reviewing stuff for Monday Nitro and um, such like that. So definitely, I definitely remember seeing that. And don't forget, Tony Schiavone himself has done so many WCW Saturday Night Specials. Um, so so definitely. Um. Mm-hmm. Show starts off though with Sammy Guevara um, getting ready to talk to Alex Marvez, and then he was hit right in the chair by Sean Spears. Spears said compliments of MJF. Good luck next week um, to set up Guevara MJF. I like this simple segments. That's one thing AEW needs to work on better. Just making it simple. It doesn't have to be cheesy. It doesn't have to be gimmicky. It just got to be something simple. That's that's a simple way to open your show. Tez joined commentary for the match. No Starks, no Cage, um, no Hook. Um, Powerhouse Hobbs came out, and he took on Hangman Page. Beautiful slobber knocker to open up this show. Really was. It really was really fun to watch. Um, both men were. Both men are ranked in the top five. Uh, Taz, you know. You know, really was I really loved Taz on commentary for this match. It really was. This was one of Power Hobbs Hobbs, one of his best matches too in AEW, if I'm not mistaken. Um, it was just some good wrestling. Um, Hangman did get cut open in the back of his head. I don't know where that came from because I tried to look back on the replay and I couldn't see where he got like busted in the back of his head because I did see like the referee um Bryce Rimsburg put on his gloves but I didn't know like I didn't see no blood till like they showed the camera of like Hangman's back of his head and there was like blood all in the back of his hair um of course uh finish here's how it goes 
it's um, Hobbs, you know, setting up a suplex and then uh, a lariat on Page. Page rolled out of the way of a diving headbutt, flattened Hobbs with a big lariat for two. Hobbs fought out of a dead eye and took Page down with a running crossbody. Then Starks and Hook ran out with the FTW Championship. Brian Cage interfered. And then um, he took Ricky Je- Ricky Starks' jacket off, and I love Ricky Starks selling up the deck. Ricky Starks was yelling my deck and running away. And uh, and I like and I like the finish because usually in WWE they would just go to the finish where the heel is distracted and they lose. Not Hobbs though. Hobbs is not a dumb heel. Hobbs said, "You know what? I know Hangman's getting ready to hit me with this buckshot, so I'm going to immediately try to take him down again." And he and he almost had Hangman again, and it was a a beautiful what was, I think it was like a powerbomb. Yeah, it was like a yeah, it was a a running spinebuster. This spinebuster looked awesome. It looked like a powerbomb. This, and then Taz and I both thought that was a three, and it wasn't. And then of course Hangman won with a dead eye, different finish than the buckshot and everything. Brian, what did you think of this match? Oh my god, I I love this match. Uh, I'm with you, Zach. I, I feel like this is. The powerhouse Hobbs like best match in AEW like excellent power moves work was great like he was laying in, he was laying in those shots like something about the uh, well uh, powerhouses Hobbs like uh, his uh, facial expressions with his Tyler Hero snarl like I love that like I, I love the way he does that um, I I thought you know it, it's funny because. I, I, AEW to me has the best crew of announcers. Now, if uh, New Japan was like in normal form, you know, I, I'm never gonna discount like uh, my boy Alex and Kevin Kelly. But I mean, as far as having like more than two people like all doing a broadcast or a match at the same time, all those guys have gotten so much better together. Like I know Jim Ross can rub people the wrong way sometimes, and he, he, people can take it or leave it. But if you have all four of those guys do a match. Like, such thoughtful insight information because uh, I think – I don't know if it was Taz or Excalibur that mentioned once Paige got got, caught open. They were just like, well, you know, it's a good thing Paige has that long hair because that's actually preventing, like, the blood, like, from, like, gushing down to his face. Like, very, like, insightful, like, basic information, not, like, silly catchphrases or anything like that. I think they're – like, the announcing crew is starting to come together. Um, You know, love to finish – I'll, I'll be honest, I was kind of almost rooting for another Hangman Page, like, loss, because that would have just been, like, more on his arc. And, uh, you know, uh, as of right now, it looks like, you know, at, at some point, especially for the pay-per-view, it looks like the trajectory is uh, Page and Omega. I definitely agree. I definitely do. Um, Tavon, what did you like about uh, – did you like this match? Yeah, I did. It was a good match. It was a good opener. Yeah, basically what you guys have been saying. I, I will say, though, if – and I, I know people – I've had people, like, say to me that this sounds silly. But I will say this here because I, I don't mind this, and this is keeping it 200, and, just, and I'm being honest as possible. If I was ever to start a broadcasting school, Jim Ross is literally the perfect teacher. Who else is better to teach you broadcasting than a man that has been yelled in his ear for – close to two decades by one guy and a guy that handles pressure, a guy that has called shows WWE pay-per-views that are four or five hours long. 
you know, who is better than a guy that give you broadcasting, especially in professional wrestling? Because, you know, Jim Ross to me is like literally the perfect example of someone that is literally the best broadcaster that you can have. You know, look at Excalibur. Excalibur is a pure example of someone that literally gets the rub literally from JR because I know Jim Ross helps him out so much. Um, you know, and Excalibur, you know, himself, you know, you know, and Jim Ross, you know, if Jim Ross was, you know, the 20 years, like about 16 years younger, um, you know, of course, JR would be just like um, Excalibur, you know, both of them would be calling everything play by play, both would have everything memorized stats wise and everything like that. So definitely, it definitely is something I've always want to say, though, because that's and I give the biggest props to JR. You know, I know JR will tell people on the grilling JR with Conrad Thompson that he doesn't know if Vince yelling in his ear made him a better commentator. But he said always did make him handle pressure better. And I, and I absolutely do agree. I think it's made him – I think it makes him a better commentator because, you know, you look at WWE today. Um, Advert Advent Vert didn't last long. And, you know, he's got Michael Cole, uh, Kevin Dunn, and Vince in his ear. Pat McAfee does awesome. But to me, Pat McAfee's like Jerry Lawler. I feel like Vince, even if Vince wanted to hate him, Vince is never going to say it because because anything that Vince would say or yell at him, I feel Pat McAfee would literally just brush it off and be like Jay, uh, be like Jerry the King Lawler, and still just be because you know Pat McAfee, I felt he was like crazy as hell when he said this on the Rich Eisen podcast saying that. I had a billionaire spew his knowledge into my ears. It was the voice of God coming in, which I felt was creepy. But I was like, this dude's so gimmicky that, that I don't think Vince would ever hate him. <laughs> like, I, I feel like Matt McAfee's always going to have a job in WWE because of that. Um, anyways, we had a very good um, video package play. It didn't last long. It was only a two-minute one. It was Kenny Omega and Jungle Boy um, for later tonight. They set up as one of the biggest matches in Dynamite's history, which it was. Um, the Young Bucks and Brandon Cutler cut a promo. Matt said um, they, they're the longest tag team champions in AEW history. Cutler started to talk, but then they told him to just shut up repeatedly. <laughs> they listed all the people they've beaten, and next – is Eddie Kingston and Penta El Zero Mero. They said they're not even a tag team. He said they're two singles guys that they just put together as a tag team. The Bucks are going to beat them because they're EVPs, extremely violent people. Um, here's my thing about Young Bucks. If it's not a pay-per-view match, I don't think they have great matches because I don't like them as heels for some reason. They're, they're too – they try to get so much heat. W- what about you, Brian? What, what did you think of this? Oh, I, I, very funny stuff. Uh, I think the the ridiculous outfits that they continue to wear. Like, I loved how I think it was uh, Nick wearing like the ridiculous like HBK like weird hat chandelier thing. Just uh, I, I I'm for the young bucks being heels. I, I think they're leaning in really hard on this uh, persona, and I kind of love it. I, I felt like their babyface act was pretty stale. And uh, this is obviously like a different direction. So, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm for it. I think it's very entertaining. It provides a different feel. Now, I still haven't really decided in my head who's going to be the guy eventually to beat them. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I really I really don't know who's going to be 
be able to beat them. But I, I feel like a, anytime they do segments like this, they're barely – I think they come across better as heels, uh, personally. I, I think their promos are better. They're funnier. And I, I, I think they have a – I don't – you know, because like even on the independent circuit, like their their most successful runs, even in New Japan, I'm sure you're aware, Zach, were as heels. So uh, you know more about it. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Because them as heels, um, I remember with that, you know, because um, one of their last heel feuds they had in New Japan was, of course, with Kenny Omega and um, Kota Ibushi, the Golden Lovers. Uh, don't forget, you know, to me. I always still feel like the Young Bucks heel presence is still seen in New Japan. Just look at Tamatanga and Tangaloa. You know, those are the two guys that always like. And, and you know, and to me, Tamatanga and Tangaloa, I feel they are like they try to be like the Young Bucks heels. But to me, like when I see Young Bucks as the heels, like on TV, I think that like they have the great pay per view matches. It's just they do like so much heel stuff. Like, oh, we gotta drag this out, and they're doing all this heel heat. And I think it, and 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 people will like it. You know, I'm not hurting anyone to say that they don't like it. But to me, I'm I'm not a fan of it. You know, I, I understand as babyfaces, they were they were is going to go as far as they could. Um, but then again, but then again, too, you know, the first time they tried out as heels was with that FTR feud. And remember, that was just weird. So so at least they're doing way better as the heels than what they were doing when they were with the FT, FTR feud. We had totally Blanchard Conan interview. I really love this. I really did. I love Conan, and I love Tully Blanchard. I, I I just can't hate either of these guys. Um, their performance was – literally, I think these guys should just be teaching promo classes after this. I was just like, it's like man, they're really good at promos. And um, Shivani was the moderator. Tully let Conan speak first because he had a lot of respect for Conan. Conan said he wasn't going to be intimidated by mind games, and neither will Santana Ortiz. He said FTR tried to – Thing, try to say they have the same upbringing as Santana Ortiz, but in North Carolina isn't the same in New York City. Conan said they've been shot, they've been stabbed, they've been kidnapped. He said, but pride and powerful. He said, you can't stop us. Tully said Conan doesn't know what he's dealing with. Conan said, you're just making uh, – so then and then Conan, I loved the lie that he popped in. He's like, look here. He's like, he's like, you're gonna be a Walmart greeter soon, or something like that. He said, he said, he said. So he said, and then of course he brought out um, what was supposed to be Santana Ortiz, and then Tully said, oh, maybe you should look at the screen. Santana Ortiz were laid out, and FTR. I thought these really were Santana Ortiz. They came out and they left Conan laying. They they hit their they hit their finish on him. Um, I was concerned about th- th- this. Because I know Conan has been dealing with a lot of health issues, but obviously though, AEW has to me these last two weeks have been a little crazy. I, I don't like, I did not like the 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 hit on um um I'm trying Dean Malenko. Sorry, I, I got burning froze. I didn't like that because I know Dean Malenko has Parkinson's, and I didn't like this because I was worried about Conan, and I'm like I wouldn't have did that, but. It worked. It got the heat. What did you think of it, Brian? I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a very good kind of back and forth promo. I mean, Tully is always a good promo anyway, but it it was nice to have uh, Conan. Like it was funny because his delivery was uh, I don't know. It, it was a very unique style where he was like 
not necessarily screaming like a like a muscle head or anything like that, but he was being very like serious, sincere, and like you kind of feared him, like all in the same like uh, tone of voice. So I, I thought the delivery was that was very good. Super surprised he was able to take the spiked Paul fires driver because I believe he had. I don't want to say I don't know if it was kidney issues, diabetes issues, something to that effect, uh, or COVID. I, I can't really recall what it was, but super surprising he took the uh, bump there. But yeah, re- really good segment. I, I really enjoyed that. Javon, what did you think of this segment? It was a pretty good segment. Yeah, I like that um <laughs> promo from um Conan and. Tony Brancher. That was a real ass promo that Conan did. It, it just had me laughing the whole time. <laughs> um, Vicky Guerrero interrupted Dante Martin's entrance with her excuse me um, and brought out Andrade El Idador, which means the idol in Spanish. Um, they were about to speak more, but was interrupted by Matt Seidel's music. To be honest, I'd rather have seen Andrade just post for another two minutes because I <laughs> no offense to Matt Seidel. <laughs> I'm not trying to be rude, but I'm like, I'm like, man, like, Andrade looked pissed off, and I was like, man, I'll be pissed off if Matt Seidel and Mike Seidel just pushed me out my way and, like, get ready for this match. Like, uh, Vicky Guerrero, like, Andrade almost was getting ready to fight them, but Vicky Guerrero told him don't do it. Um, so, Matt and Mike, um, so then Matt Seidel took on Dante Morton. This was a weird match, because on AEW, you would see this on Dark or Dark Elevation, but they gave you this match on Dynamite, and man, these two hit a home run. They hit a home run. I love Dante Martin, and I love Darius Martin. Here's why I really love them. They're from Minnesota. I lived in Minnesota, and I'm, I, and I'm really big fans of them. Uh, <coughs> um, Matt Seidel um, had a great match. He won the match. I was surprised about the finish because I did not think Matt Seidel was going to win. I thought Dante Martin was going to win because if you if you were going to push one of these two men, you would push Dante. You would not push Matt. Um, no, no offense to Matt. It's just that they just have not done anything with Matt. But this match started off with Shane wrestling. Then Dante hit a, a springboard dropkick for a, a two, and then a standing twisting moonsault from Seidel, and then we got to the commercial. You get back from the commercial, Seidel is applying a modern, a modified figure four leg lock, but Dante reached the ropes. A springboard moonsault from Dante got two more. They fought on top, the top rope, and Seidel forced him to the mat, and then followed up with a meteora for a near fall. Dante got a great sunset flip. Um... Beautiful sunset flip. And everyone was saying, like, you know, um, Carmelo Hayes took, like, the um, Panama Sunrise beautiful. Jeez, I mean, just look at Dante Martin. His sunset flip was more beautiful than Adam Cole's this week to me. Um, But Seidel uh, avoided a stomp from Dante, and then he hit the lightning spiral for the victory. Uh, Brian, what did you think of this match? Uh, well, let, let's start with the, I guess, the tease slash interruption, because, y- you know, uh, Andrade and Vicky got interrupted for their surprise. So I, I guess I'll, I'll share this and present this now, um, because we've gotten two weeks in a row where Andrade and Vicky have a surprise for everyone. Uh, and, of course, yeah, next week, right, there's the scheduled like parentheses scheduled tag team match with uh Britt Baker, Rebel, not Reba, versus uh Nyla Rose and Vicky Guerrero, right? 
Mm-hmm. So, I I think Vicky Guerrero is not going to be medically cleared to wrestle, and uh, Andrade and Vicky they're going to introduce their surprise. It's going to be a mystery tag team partner with Nyla Rose. It's going to be the debuting Thea Trinidad of all people. That's going to be their surprise. Hmm. Or it could be just, Selena De Orenta. It could be her. Yeah, I mean, I, I either either or. I just uh, I'm kind of re, re like reading the tea leaves here. They they've said they've had a surprise. Like there's this very odd put together match where I'm just like, okay, there is no way in hell. Like, if it was like an AEW dark, maybe I could see that you you throw that on there be silly. But the TK he's too savvy. Like he he's got something cooking. I I haven't confirmed anything. That's just my. Uh, fantasy booking there i i just i smell a red herring there and because tony khan's gonna be like vicky you're like super old you can't get out there you're not a wrestler sorry <laughs> um, the match on itself uh yes uh the martin kid love him uh I, I he did a couple things i was just like holy crap he did like his uh diving like uh roll through i was like uh chef kiss that was beautiful and he did some type of flip that was a stunner and a splash. I was like, what? The, like, what is this? But, like, it was a very good match to have on this card. I would have been really okay if this was an opener. But very nice um, offsetting, like, match because it was, like, very fast. Set, boom, boom, boom. And it's, uh, you know, even with Martin's uh, brother out, it, it's very nice that, uh, you know, AEW does realize, hey, like, this kid – uh, you know, these kids are still very talented. Let's get this guy ring time. So that's when, you know, when his brother comes back, we can either throw them together out ta- as a tag team or maybe you split them up and have a story for him. I don't know. But I, 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 I think that's a really nice thing. To do. I will say this here, though, um, before I get to save on Dan- Dante and Darius Martin had the tryout match with the Young Bucks, and I gave that four and three quarters. I still think that's one of the best matches I've ever seen in my life because these guys just went out there and they had and, and this is like I think it was like their what like it wasn't even their 50th match ever as a tag team but they just went out there with the young bucks and just worked like veterans like like they like they've been there for like 20 years. Um, I will say there was like a segment on BTE that week and the young bucks went up to them and said, "So you guys saw us in TNA." And you saw the pay-per-view match with Motor City Machine Guns. And I felt like – and I still feel like to this day they're lying to the Young Bucks because Brian, Tavon, you both know this. No one was buying those TNA pay-per-views. I refuse to believe <laughs> No. That. I refuse to <laughs> no. believe that, that they went to their mother and said, Mom, could you buy the $60 pay-per-view? Because they did not push tag teams in TNA. They literally told you. That was the number one thing they told you in TNA. That tag teams can have these great matches, but they gotta always have the shittiest feuds. They don't have nothing. So no, <laughs> they just they promoted legends and legends and legends. So I refuse to believe that lie. Tamar, what did you think of the segment and the um, match? Um, the segment with on with um Vicky Guerrero and Andrade <laughs> interrupting Dante was pretty much funny. I mean, <laughs> whenever Vicky Guerrero comes out with her nasally voice and her <laughs> excuse me catchphrase, it's always it's always just funny, and it pretty much made me laugh out loud. <laughs> so 
there is that. But yeah, the match was pretty good. Um, and yeah, Dante, um, yeah, Dante had a um, good showing. I kind of thought he was going to win, but of course, Matt Seidel would pretty much win. So, yeah. Jungle Boy was about to talk about how tonight's going to be a big night for him with Alex Marvez. Christian Cage walked up and uh, agreed. He said Jungle Boy shouldn't just be happy to be here. He should be a little bit pissed off because of what Omega's been saying. He told Jungle Boy to shock the fans again and win tonight. We had Jay Cargill with Mark Sterling. Uh, I'm going to do that Mark Sterling voice again because it was funny. <laughs> so I'm going to do it. Mark Sterling here telling you that, that you can get 10% off. Like, so this is some funny thing. You, you got everybody 10% off with um, code word that be. And then he tried to rip up a Dark Order shirt. He said, you could pay full price for this Dark Order shirt. And then Jade <laughs> said, give me that. Like, And then he said, he said, I had just been told that we've ran out of 2X shirts. I guess that must be for most wrestling fans. And I was like saying, uh, no, because most wrestling fans that I know, and, and of course the Simpsons memes will tell you, 3XL is the ones that always get sold out fast. Um, but then Jay Cargill ripped up the Dark Order shirt and said that she was that bitch. Um, what did you guys think of these little segments right here? Fun stuff. More Jay Cargill <laughs> on the screen. Javon, what about you? Um, the Jungle Boy um, segment. It was a really good segment. Um, I like that um, Christian... Um, I like how Christian's giving some advice to um, Jungle Boy before his AEW title match. A legend like um, Christian, obviously. I mean, him helping the young talent grow. I mean, it it easily makes for a great segment, especially when helping out somebody like Jungle Boy. Third segment straight, we got MJF, Wardlow, and Sean Spears with Alex Marvez. MJF talked about attacking Jericho and having Spears attack Guevara. He didn't understand why people are upset by him attacking Dean Malenko. He called him an old guy with a bad heart and Parkinson's. MJF said the fans should be thanking him because he gave Malenko an early retirement. Jericho and Hager ran in, leading to an all-out brawl. They brawled out to the ring. The pinnacle took control with the numbers advantage. Um, MJF and Sean Spears are about to whack Jericho's elbow. And then Sammy Guevara's music hits. Sammy Guevara comes out, leaves the heels running. Guevara grabbed a microphone to loud Sammy chants. The microphone was acting a little um, funny, though, with Guevara at first because, like, it was, like, trying not to – like, he kept, like, fizzing in and out, and then they and then they got the mic right. Um, he said that AEW chose the wrong guy for the action figures and the posters. He said on Wednesday, Guevara will show MJF he's the best ever, and he knows it. I like the segment and everything. It's simple. It's simple. And, you know, I, I do feel like Sammy Guevara soon is going to have to break away from the inner circle. And because Sammy Guevara needs to be definitely one of these guys that needs to get be getting pushed. He definitely does. Uh, Brian, what about you? Yeah, uh, nice little easy segment. Uh, I feel like this is building pretty solid to – I could be wrong, but I thought they said this was going to be the main event for next week. I thought I heard that a couple of times. Maybe I misheard. No, no. Yeah, but, I uh, think it is the main event. I do think that it is. Okay, great. Um, yeah, I, I, I think 
I don't know if I do like the inner circle kind of running after MJF's promo. I think I might have let that sit and simmer a little bit, like without the run-in personally. But you know, uh, uh, it's minor critique. That's the only thing I would say. And um, and as far as like building up to the match, um, it should be really good. I I, I kind of see MJF going over and building up to some type of. MJF, Chris Jericho, like maybe Loser Leaves Town match or Loser House of Leave for like six months or something like that. Because I know Jericho at some point does have a quasi tour to go to eventually. So mm-hmm. I believe that'll be like the way they end up. Uh, I agree. I, I, I definitely think next week, though, they should do a 20 minute time limit. I think they should just do a draw because we don't have draws in AEW and they don't want to do DQs. And I, I like a draw. Because I don't think MJF needs to lose, but I also don't think Guevara needs to lose. I think it should just be a draw where these two men are killing each other, and then the clock expires. That's how I would do next week. As for Alex Marvez, I want Alex Marvez to start being like Jim Ross and Shivani. Jim Ross and Shivani, you know, you know, when Tony Shivani doesn't like a heel, you know, he'll tell them to their face, "I don't like you." And you know, Jim Ross, whenever you know he's criticized Hangman's drinking, he tells him drink in moderation. I would have loved it. Alec Marvez just shoved that microphone away and just said, look here, I'm not going to let you keep insulting Dean Malenko. You know, I would have liked that because I want Alex Marvez to, you know, get over as well as an interviewer. And I don't feel that he gets the credit that he does because everybody, you know, because Alex Marvez really is very, very smart. You know, this is a man that has wrote for the Wrestling Observer for years and years. He he knows his sports. He and I really like Marvez. I really do. I, I want Marvez to start getting more over as like this guy that that ain't gonna be pushed around as no common uh, that as no interviewer because because you know I want him to have personality. I really do. Um, Tavon, what did you think of um, the segment? Um, it was a good segment. Yeah, I'll take what you said and pretty much agree with it. Yeah, it was pretty much simple. Basic Sammy Guerrero basically saying that, hey, you may think that you're the best, but I'm going to prove to you I'm the best. I mean, it's it's a pretty simple storyline, uh, a match between two of the biggest, youngest stars in AEW history. Looks to be good. Our fourth segment straight. And I love this one because Seth Rollins needs to start taking classes from this guy if he's going to start keep doing a Messiah gimmick. Miro said, I thank God for my power and for keeping my wife flexible. <laughs> definitely, <laughs> definitely. The um, address Brian Pillman Jr. saying standing between the righteous man and his path is like standing between Cleaver and Smeet. Next week he will find out why Miro – is God's favorite champion. The bravest thing he's ever done in his life was thinking about attacking Miro. The stupidest thing was actually doing it. Miro has a Messiah. I never thought I would say this works. I, I, I love this, man. Like, where was this Miro? I, this is a better one than the uh, best man Miro. Uh, Brian, what did you think of this? I give him all the belts. Like, make more belts. <laughs> Make more belts and give them to him. Like, I I love how he, every promo is now. I'd like to thank God for my hot wife. 
and I'm also going to kill you later today. Just uh, good stuff. Like, I love, like, I love his, like, gear. Like, everything that Miro's doing now, he's he's killing it. <laughs> this it's just like everything and and one thing and you know and we all know CJ Perry will be coming to AEW in the next 70 some days. We all know that because I mean and CJ Perry is going to make more outside of wrestling because remember before the third party deal shut down, she was 6th on that list of top 10 influential models on Instagram. So Fashion Nova, you know, you know, buzz drinks, all this. And don't forget, she is an actress. She's been in Pitch Perfect movies. So this oh, wow. really... she was in a Pitch Perfect movie? She's been in all of them. Wow, <laughs> um, all three. Yes, and, and and also, you know, one thing about C.J. Perry, too, like, to me, when they get, when C.J. Perry and Miro get together, this will literally be the most entertaining thing on AEW. I just don't oh, yeah. believe there will be anything that will beat them because... CJ is very great in her roles. She knows what to do as an actress. Miro, he's literally getting better every week, you know. And I don't. And I just. This is just the perfect time. Savon, what what about you? What what did you think of the Miro segment? Definitely, definitely, it was good. I mean, Miro, of course. Telling us, of course, that Lana is hot. Of course, <laughs> basically, that's a given. And um. Him saying that he's God's favorite champion, I like. I definitely like that. So he's basically warning Brian Pillman Jr. and basically saying, "Hey, I'm not no joke. I'm pretty much God's favorite champion here." <laughs> <laughs> um, next up, we had Ethan Page with Scorpio Sky defeating Bear Bronson. Before the match, of course, you know him and Scorpio Sky called themselves Men of the Year. And I re- and and then they have like these quotes on the Titantron that say like their hobbies and all this, and I'm like, who the hell gave these guys like Juice Man of the Year? <laughs> and then Ethan Page, of course, has to start strip teasing, and he'll tell you on Twitter, I get paid to strip tease literally at this job. <laughs> so I'm like, God, what the hell? <laughs> I messed with this thing like ten seconds. I'm like, man, I don't want to see him dancing like that, man. So then Bear Bronson comes out. Um, and then and Jim Ross said that he liked the Bronson um, guy. He because uh, uh, I know everyone was like upset, like saying, "Well, he called that match with um, Jurassic Express bullish you ugly." But but then of course he said right after they liked it. Um, this match here was bowling shoe ugly at the start, but then they found their rhythm after the commercial break. Um, of course, distractions, you know, with Sky blindsiding Bronson, allowing Paige to take control before the break. And then when you get back from the break, Bronson's fighting out of the those Eagles' edge, hitting a running splash in the corner. Bronson clubbered Paige with a lariat and a spine buster. Paige avoided a running senton, but Bronson fought out of another Eagles' edge, hit a seated um, splash for two. They fought on the top rope where Paige hit a superplex for the two count. That was tough as hell. Um, Bronson came back with a black hole slam for two. He went to the top rope, and then where Sky, I mean, Sky tried to interfere, Boulder chased off Sky, and then, but Paige hit the low blow. Um, and then they showed it on the replay, like, dude, he really, really did get him, like, really right below the belt. And then he hit this ego's edge, and Ethan Page sold this beautifully. He really sold this beautifully. He just fell onto the guy and just took the pinfall. And then after the match, 
didn't get up for like at least 10, 15 seconds because he wanted to sell this. And I love this. Um, um, and then after the match, he said that he said, um, Dart, he said, I'm not stupid. When he, when, which was met with, yes, you are chance. And he said that he's not stupid because he knows Darby Allen isn't done with him. Paige said that he's going um, to put Darby Allen's ass in a coffin and challenged him to a coffin match for July 7th at Road Rager. That's at the James Knight Center in Miami. Um, thoughts on this, Tavon? Um, it was a um, good match. Um, well, I'll say it was a decent match, but like, yeah, some hard hitting action, of course. The low blow at the end, yeah, that pretty much felt brutal. The way the match ended, it, it was pretty much pretty good. Uh, definitely, definitely. Um, I, I hope Brian does come back. I was actually enjoying Brian. I, I, I'm sad that Brian left. Yeah, me um, too. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> so then um but but i like this you know it's a simple storyline and everything and you know should be i mean this should be i mean this is gonna be AEW's first time with a casket match so and we've seen wwe the casket matches in wwe are hit and miss they're usually good but then again we've had some bad ones with undertaker and king so so we can't say mm. that every good casket match has has been good so let's let's not um Go there. Britt Baker and Rebel listed things they, they asked for. They could think of a million things they asked for Tony Khan and owe them a favor, but Vicky Guerrero asked for a wrestling match. Baker said she's the new face, uh, the new face of a new era, one that doesn't have fun and games and old chicks. Excuse me in advance <laughs> for beating your ass. She sent, she sent Vicky home with a prescription side. DMD. Guerrero said Nyla Rose is coming for Baker's title at Fighter Fest. Rose said next week Baker should watch out for the claws of the Cougars. <laughs> I like this segment. I actually like the segments. The segments they were good. Yeah, me too. It, it didn't have Shabani, you know, you know, you know, prancing all over Rebel and Brit, uh, Baker, like you know, saying, "Oh yeah, you're gonna kick her ass." Like no, like like this is a good segment. Um, and and, de- and definitely. definitely, you know. Yeah, I, I, def- I didn't mind it. Uh, great segment. Chris Statlander taking on the Bunny. I actually really like this match. Bunny actually had a Me really too. good match. Yeah. Bunny never has good matches, and Bunny really looked good in this match. Chris Statlander looked awesome. Um, mm-hmm. It was actually the one time, too, where, you know, Orange Cassidy's gimmick is he'll give a half thumbs up, and he's very lazy. Then Chris Statlander just put one finger out. Orange Cassidy literally went right at it. I'm like, man, even Orange Cassidy was hyped up for this match. And <laughs> um, the finish goes here with the bunny getting ready to use brass knuckles, but Orange Cassidy steals him from her and he puts it in his pocket. And Jim Ross said, I bet she won't go hunting there. I'm like, it's just a pocket. It wasn't like he put it all the way down his pants. I'm like, if that been down his pants, then I would have understood that. But then, no. So, but then Chris Statlander. Hit a um, she then hit the Big Bang Theory for the victory. Blade attacked Orange Cassidy after the match, which bumped into um, uh, Chris Statlander, and then TH2 came out. They joined the beatdown of Orange Cassidy, and then um, of course Blade got his knuck- knuckles back, and then he knocked out Cassidy with them. With TH2 held him up. Um, another simple segment, I liked it. You know, my only thing was where the hell was Butcher? And where the hell was um, um, 
um, Chuck Taylor. Where the hell were, where the hell were those two at? Like, Chuck Taylor should have been helping his friend. Like, his friend just got his ass whipped by three men and there was no one to help him. And I'm like, oh, and man. we haven't seen Butcher in forever. So I'm just like, I get worried when I don't see people after a couple of weeks because I'm like, are they injured? Are they just taking time off? Are they just fucking with me? Like, I don't like that. <laughs> QT Marshall was interviewed by Shivani about Brock Anderson. He was upset that Brock got all of the accolades for his debut. Marshall noted that Cody's not here. And he hopes it stays that way. He says, I hope Cody gets a call from Hollywood to be in one of those cheesy superhero movies. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I know what you mean by that. But, uh, I liked it. Um, cute segment. Um, I'm just not looking forward to Cody and QT on the 7th of July. I'm just not looking forward to that match because, no offense, we've already seen Cody beat QT. And it's been clean. We, we don't need another match between them, but... I guess it doesn't matter, you know. I, I, I guess it doesn't. But anyway, so Shavon, what did you think of this? Um, what did you think of the segment? The QT Marshall segment. Yeah, the QT. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was all right. Yeah. Brian Pillman Jr. addressed Miro. He thinks Miro um, has got a god complex. He wouldn't be the first one in wrestling to think that. <laughs> Pillman got a complex too. He said it's call and fight for everything he's had. He said on Wednesday he's going to check Miro's ego and win that title. So here's the lineup for Dynamite Wednesday. Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, and Rebel take on Nyla Rose and Vicky Guerrero. We got the TNT champion Miro versus Brian Pillman Jr. MJF takes on Sammy Guevara. And the Young Bucks take on Eddie Kingston and Pinto El Zero Mero. The winner of the – if Eddie Kingston and Pinto win, they immediately get a um, AEW Tag Team Championship match down the road. For Road Rage on July 7th, Cody Rhodes and QT Marshall in a strap match. And Darby Allen takes on um, uh, Ethan Page in the coffin match. I don't know why I got tongue-tied on that one too. Man. Eddie Kingston and Penta and Alex Alberhantes. Alex Alberhantes looked weird in this segment. No offense. Like, Kingston and Penta are, you know, wrestlers. But Alex, that just looked weird with him in it. So Kingston learns something about the Bucks. It doesn't matter how much they get hit because it's all about their ego. The only thing um, that is going to hurt them is when they take the tag team titles. Penta spoke Spanish. And then... Alex Aberhante said, Penta says you guys never earn anything, and that next week we will run over you. And I'm like, Penta d- didn't even say that much in Spanish. <laughs> I'm like, Penta only said like two words in Spanish that much. He didn't, and I know Spanish. So when Alex Aberhante is fucking with me, I automatically know it immediately. I'm like, like don't fuck with me, you son of a bitch. <laughs> like, like, fuck Alex. Like, like no offense to Aberhante, but... Most people know how to speak Spanish. Like, we're not idiots. Like, stop saying Pinta says because you, you make us – you're like, no, when he says that, it makes everybody look really fucking weird because, like, for example, someone like myself who knows Spanish and shit, we know Pinta's not saying that many words. And literally, Pinta did say that they were going to take the titles, um, that they were going to beat them next week. That's all he said. Pinta did not say any extra shit. Alex just added extra shit. Uh, Don Callis joined commentary. Um, we had Kenny Omega defeating um, Jungle Boy to retain the AEW World Championship. Before this match started, the Jurassic Express was kicked out. The Good Brothers were kicked out. So we had a straight one-on-one match. Excellent. Four and a quarter. He couldn't go wrong with this. It was beautiful. Jungle Boy had his best outing in AEW today. Um, 
it had the V trick. It had Jungle Boy avoiding V triggers, a uh, flip being uh, flipped out a German thrust kick. But Omega came back with a V trigger, Snapdragon suplex, a V trigger. Um, it was everything that you got in a Kenny Omega match. It was everything that you wanted in a Jungle Boy match. Of course, Kenny Omega is going to go for another V trigger, but Jungle Boy. Um, put in the snare trap submission hold. The Good Brothers were going to run out, but immediately were cut off by Jurassic Express and Frankie Kazarian. And I'm telling you, man, Frankie Kazarian, he needs to get more TV time because Frankie Kazarian's just doing so great at this gimmick. And then, of course, Omega reached the ropes before the t- um, two traded forearms in the center of the ring. Omega hit a V-trigger, but Jungle Boy hit a rebounding lariat. And then Omega hit a brain buster for two. Another V-trigger. Jungle Boy fought Fought out of a one-ring angel, rolled up Omega for a great near fall. I thought this was close. He then locked in a snare trap once again. Omega grabbed Jungle Boy's hair, forcing him to break the hold. Jungle Boy perched Omega on the top rope, but Omega slid out, dropped over, dropped him over the shoulders. A V-trigger to the back of the head, and the J-driller for the two. Then Omega just picked him up and said, fuck it, one-ring angel, and we're out of here. And he did that. And then after the match, Omega... Looked like he was going to use the belt to attack Jungle Boy, but Christian ran out, sent him packing to the outside. Then Matt Hardy, Private Party, ran out, attacked Christian. Christian was about to counter the twist of fate but into a kid switch, but the Young Books ran out and super kicked Christian. Hardy hit a twist of fate. Omega posed with the belts to end the show. I love this match. The aftermatch, this is where I felt like the show got the worst of it because it would have been a 10 out of 10 show, but... They overbooked it, Tavon. Tavon, we did not need to see. I thought that we were going to get Christian Omega as the next feud, but then they just told you immediately, no, mm, he's yeah. got to beat Matt Hardy. He's just going to have and, a brawl. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then and then and then of course, like you got the young bucks helping Matt Hardy in private party, and to me, this this was just like, man, why are you even helping Christian? You know, like <laughs> like why are you even helping Matt Hardy? Matt Hardy, Matt Hardy's like a cheap son of a bitch too. He doesn't even want he doesn't want to pay the guys that he's already he's already taking so much money from everybody. I'm just like, <laughs> man, I'm just like, oh, I was just like upset. I was just like, oh. But again, good show. Um, four four and a quarter. Go check out the match though if you um haven't. Um, of course tonight. Um, the Clippers Suns that ended eighty four to eighty. The Suns did beat the Clippers. They are up three one. Um, I don't think that's pretty much obvious, you know, to say. Devin Booker eight of twenty two, uh, twenty five points, nine of eleven from the free throw line, with only two rebounds, zero assists. Booker did not play without his mask, and Booker played better. I told you, Tavon, that that mask was a big issue. Uh, Chris Paul was six yeah. of twenty two. Um, he didn't have a good game, though. You know, he was only 3-6 from the free throw line, but he had 18 points, 7 assists, 4 rebounds, and that's all you need from him. Cameron Payne was 2-8 of eight with 5 points. Um, Mikhail Bridges with um, 6. DeAndre Ayton was the big guy for the Phoenix Suns. 8-14, of 14, 19 points, 22 rebounds, 3 assists. Uh, 36% shooting for Phoenix on the game. Under 33% shooting for the Clippers. Um both teams did not shoot threes good. Uh, it was only 4 of 20 for the Suns, and the Clippers were 5 of 31, um, which means the Clippers did shoot worse. They shot 16%. Um, they were out-rebounded 59-51. Points in the paint, Suns did win that 42-36. to um, And the, the Clippers had their lowest scoring first half, which is 36 um, of the whole season. Paul George was 5 of 20, 1 of 9 from 3. He had 23 points and 16 rebounds and 6 assists, which – 
it's like, ugh, I, I can't hate him for that. You know, he did have a good game, 9 of 12. Uh, well, sorry, 12 of 18 for the free throw line. Um, Reggie Jackson, 8 of 24, 20 points, uh, 2 of 9 from 3. Um, Patrick Beverly did start this game. He was 1 of 4, 2 points. Terrence Mann was 4 of 9, 12 points. Um, Nicholas Batum was 1 of 6. Um, Marcus Moore Sr., 2 of 8, 4 points. Avitsa Zubox, 5 of 8, um, 13 points, 14, um, 13 points, 14 rebounds. And, yeah, I mean, the fourth quarter only had 29 points combined scoring. Phoenix had 15, Clippers had 14. And Phoenix nearly lost this game because Phoenix was up by 16 at one point, And they nearly blew this game. Um, DeMarcus Cousins missed a free throw in the late seconds. And that's kind of what took the Clipper game away from them. Um, Tavon, the Suns are up 3-1. Teams that are up 3-1 are 52-4. and The last time a 13 blew a 3-1 lead in the conference finals. You have to go back to the 2016 Oklahoma City Thunder where Kevin Durant mm-hmm. and Russell Westbrook blew it. And, of course, we all know where Kevin Durant would go the next year to Golden State. And he would be the most vilified <sighs> yeah. player. Um, is Phoenix closing out Game 5 in Phoenix on Monday? Yeah, sure. I agree. Um, I think it's over for the Clippers. They've, they've done good. They've had a great season. You can't get mad at them. I think the Clippers did as best as they could with this team. Yeah, made their first conference finals in history. And did it without Kawhi. Um, so uh, you can't even be mad at this team. This team really went all out. Um, versus tonight, it was Soldier Boy taking on Bow Wow. This was the first time Versus has ever had a crowd. Um... And, and I will say this here, Tavon, I, I know that you probably didn't see it or maybe caught a little bit of it, but I saw this, and it took me back to when 106 and Park was on, on BET. <laughs> they played nothing but old songs that we all grew up watching. Little Romeo was there, or I guess now he's Big Romeo, but Romeo <laughs> said the dumbest thing of the night. He said, he said, yeah, I was like Kobe in the music industry. I'm like, no, you weren't. Like... <laughs> I remember Romeo. No one listened to his music, man. Dude, if you listen to Romeo in school, you got bullied because everyone knows Romeo didn't have no good music. You got <laughs> roasted for that. No. I was like, man, you're funny. I said, you're funny as hell. But but no, you, you were you were really off on that one. I was like, no. Like, you were – you funny. I, I will say, though, he's funny as hell. He was funny as hell, though. Um, I, I thought Soldier Boy did lose this, though, but – Bow Wow did have it won, and from everyone's perspective, Bow Wow did beat Soldier Boy. Soldier Boy did have an early lead, but Bow Wow did win. Um, but yeah, it was a, it was actually pretty fun. It actually was. Um, but yeah, if if you get a chance, you know, check it out on YouTube or if it's up on YouTube or anything, you know, um, definitely check it out. It was fun. Yeah. It was they they, fun they played they they played crank that they played um you know you know you know Bow Wow even played music from the Like Mike theme. <laughs> you know, he even did that, so it was cool. Uh, Mary mm-hmm. J. Blige um, said that she has zero interest in appearing in a versus battle, and she made that known. She said she said, it doesn't do anything for me. Um, she says I'm me, so I guess we're not going to get Mary J. Blige, Tony Braxton after mm. all. Yeah, which just sucks. I, I, I want to see that. Um, Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday said Olympics is not a distraction during the Milwaukee Bucks playoff run because Middleton and um, Drew Holiday will be playing in the Olympics this year, which means they don't even get an offseason because because the way it's going to be going now. And I'm just like, man, 
these guys, like, I, I, if I were them, oh, I wouldn't be doing the Olympics. I, I, I still got a feeling a lot of guys are still going to – I don't feel like this 12-man Olympic roster is still set yet. So, um, And it's not set yet. So, um, And I don't mm. think it will be. Um, and that's pretty much it, though, for everything news-related-wise, you know. Um, so definitely, though, and now we're going to go and um, – well, we got some stuff announced for Raw Monday. Raw Monday's got a Kofi Kingston MVP segment and a six-women tag on Raw. It's going to be um, Rhea Ripley, Mandy Rose, and Dana Brooke taking on Charlotte Flair, Natalia, and Tamina. Um, so, yeah. And then, of course, we got the strap match between Jackson Riker and Elias. And the main event will be the last chance money in the bank qualifier between AJ, Randy Orton, and Drew McIntyre. Um, so four things announced for Raw Monday. That's actually pretty impressive, too. Mm-hmm. Anyways, anyways, so we're going to go ahead and get ready to take it to the 200th moment of the night. It is going to be sponsored by Miller Lite because no one didn't hit a triple-double tonight, so, so we don't have to worry about that. However, um, we're going to take it to the um, – of course, Miller Lite has one more calorie than Michelob Ultra and tastes better. So if you're going to drink anything, you might as well just drink um, – of Miller Lite. So anyways, we're going to go ahead and just keep it with the same song, Crank That Soldier Boy, to get us started. I need some baby, mate. Soldier Boy, I've been here. Why me crank it, why me roll? Why me crank that Soldier Boy, that Superman, that all that me? Crank that Soldier Boy, that all that me? Crank that Soldier Boy, that all that all right, Tavon, take it away for your 200 moment of the night. All right, then, Zach. Okay, will do. Well, pretty much, it's pretty much already past Saturday. It's already Sunday, and it's best for me to say that, yeah, Saturday was good. Watch some Attitude Era Raw. Watch some of the um, March um, 15 episode of SmackDown on um, Smack- 2001 SmackDown. Have to watch the rest of that. AEW was pretty much good tonight. The matches um, were good. Adam Page, Dante. Pretty much impressed. The Chris Statliner Alley match was good, which I'll, I'll pretty much tell you. Not gonna lie, Alley pretty much staring, pretty much staring into the camera <laughs> with the sexy face. It pretty much gives me Mickey James vibes if you really think about it. <laughs> you, know, you know, to, you know, to me, Alley is better at her character than Alexa Bliss to me because yeah. because to me, I feel like. Allie is like someone that really is, you know, like, you know, she, she brings, she's got more of a character vibe to her. She's got, she's more into her character than Alexa Bliss is with the, with the gimmick that she has. Um, but yeah, um, mm-hmm. but definitely though, uh, my 200 moment of the night will definitely be going to the NC state baseball team because the NC state baseball team was screwed out of, um, they were actually literally screwed out of their postseason. And here's what happened. Um, the NC State baseball team was... Oh, I'm actually they looking at it right now on ESPN. Yeah. It was because of two players that, you know, were not vaccinated, and I guess it was because of COVID issues and everything. 
and 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 uh, and of course now it's now been the opinion where of course you know like if players won't get vaccinated this college world series is a disaster if it's going to keep happening i don't feel like that that should that's just so hurtful to me because you know they were forced to forfeit and they didn't even lose you know they they, they literally got hit again and I don't feel that's fair. I just don't feel that's fair. You know, I, to people that have an issue with the COVID vaccine, I respect their opinion. And, you know, if they don't want to get it, I understand it completely. I understand 100 percent. I will. I will never I will never be on this podcast saying you need to get your vaccine. You need to do this. No, I will never say that because people are entitled to their opinions and more. However, it's very, very hurtful. Now that enterprise companies or enterprise NCAA's want to hurt players by saying, "Well, if you won't get vaccinated, you can't play," that's that's very disrespectful and very hurtful to me because the NCAA already makes billions and billions a year. They pay coaches millions and millions in basketball. They pay coaches millions and millions in football, and it's very very hurtful to me. Um, yeah, and, and I and I and I get very hurt by that because I, because Tavon, I, I look at this here as perspective, and you and I have children, and say our children are playing in baseball in a college world series, and something like this were to happen. Hopefully, this never happens again. Hopefully, we're better as a society to where you know we're all doing better. Um, and, and it's very hurtful um, because because if this was our kids or our family members or our friends. You know, we would have to be there for them, and you know, because because now I'm pretty sure that the two people that are not vaccinated, you know, feel like the absolute like they feel like man, I let everybody down, and I want to say this to the two guys that did not get vaccinated. You guys did not let nobody down. You guys were screwed by the NCAA. You guys did not do anything wrong. You guys did everything that you were told to do all year. You've listened to your coaches. If they weren't listening to their coaches, they wouldn't be where they're at today. We all know that because the coach would not allow that. So I want to give my 200 moment of the night to them because I want them to know that I'm thinking of you guys. You guys were robbed. You guys deserve to be playing in the College World Series and deserve and your chance. To, you you guys deserve your chance to win. And if you lose, you should lose on the baseball field. You know, to a team you should not be losing due to COVID-related protocol bullshit. So yeah. that is my 200 moment of the night. Um, I, I, I want them. I, I just want them to know that. I want them to know that. Look here, like you know, and, and same thing with anybody here too. You know, like if 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 you guys are going through anything of uh, of of you know of anything like that, you know, definitely though. You know, me and Tavon, you know. When we do these shows, you know, we always go out and we give you the best show possible, and we we and and it's very upsetting, you know, because because you know, because, yeah. uh, and a lot of stuff happens, you know, a lot of stuff does, um, and also, you know, wanted to give a special shout out to everybody that had birthdays this weekend. Um, Trey had a birthday, we know that. Uh, my mom had a birthday. Jessica Carr, the WWE referee, had a birthday today. Mm-hmm. It was like so many people had birthdays today, and it's like yeah. and there's going to be more people that I know that have birthdays tomorrow. So um, happy birthday to everybody! You know, I can't I can't name everybody off the top of my head, but you know, if you got a birthday this weekend, happy birthday! Um, whew, thank goodness I'm not buying nobody gifts, man, because if I was, <laughs> I'd be broke. <laughs> but anyway, so um, special shout out to Brian tonight. Um, 
let me make sure if I can find him real quick. I'm gonna I'm gonna actually shout out Brian's um thing. Um, let me see here. Where's he at? There he is. Uh, you guys make sure to find uh um uh, follow Brian. He is the co-host of the Blue Hardwood with Lauren Gunn, a Dallas Mavericks podcast available at Blue Hardwood on Anchor, I believe. Let me see what it is. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So. Um. Yeah. Let's see. It's loading, people. So. Yep, it's on Anchor on Spotify. Um. They they have a show. They um literally had a forty one minute show. They've they've done three hundred twenty nine episodes. Congratulations to them. Hopefully hopefully I can break their record one day. <laughs> but anyway, so um shout out to them and everything. And we're gonna close out the show with Avalanche uh Migos. Hold on, let me charge my phone real quick before it dies. Hold on. All right, yay, my phone's charging. <laughs> I've been doing this whole show, and then it gets to 1%. But anyways, we're going to close it out with the Migos Avalanche. You want to see the Migos turn on your Vivo? The up cheese like I ate a bag of some Cheetos. They must forgot we the Migos. the for and that will be all for keeping it 200 episode 34 Tavon thank you for um, joining um, oh one more thing before we um, close out the show um, we will not be back with 200 tomorrow so Tavon and I will be getting rest um, and I don't yeah. know about Monday but more than likely Monday we might be doing a show for the Raw Post show and then yeah. Tuesday, Wednesday we will be off and then Thursday we'll be back with um AEW NXT review. I don't know if Blackheart will be back this week ladies and gentlemen because um Blackheart's going to need time off and I I I more, more than more than likely, you know, like we me me and Tavon are already you know, I feel like this show already has enough co-guests, you know, um, as is. So, you know, that that's like I'm not trying to like take that take that as whatever anybody wants to. You know, I know everyone's just gonna like try to make up something, but but more than likely though, I don't know because usually I don't want to have Blackheart for most of these shows because we gotta start getting prepared for Blackheart whenever he does go back to his show August seventh, and of course next week is you know we've got uh, next um, Sunday is. Fourth of July. Um, Tavon, I, I wanted to ask you, did you have anything planned for Fourth of July? Mm, no, I haven't. Yeah. Um, I knew that Fourth of July, I've got to, I'm probably going to just be watch. I'm not even going to be watching fireworks, so I'm not going to lie. Um, I'm just going to say that, that I've got to start getting prepared because I know in August, I'm probably going to be taking a vacation myself. Um, but before I do that, though, yeah, because 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 now that everything's getting ready to get back to normal as far as wrestling goes, 
now keeping it 200 can get a schedule, you know, because, because for example, because for example, you know, we're not getting paid for none of these shows, spoiler people, we're not getting paid. We just come on here and give you the best content for free. Um, and you, you take whatever you want. I mean, we don't even get paid for the advertisements of Miller Lite and shit. Um, but we, we want days off. Me and Tavon both want days off. Blackheart, I know, wants days off. You know, Ash, you know, well, whenever Ash gets here, um, he, he, which I don't know. But anyway, so, but we, but we, but we need time off and we need to start setting a schedule and such because, because no offense, Davon, three, four podcast shows a week is very tough to do for anybody, isn't it? Yeah, it's understandable. Exactly. Yeah, and, and and not to mention too, you know, Tavon and I, you know, you know, I mean, because because Tavon, you're not in college or anything, are you? Well, I am in. I'm. In, I am in a. I'm in a community college, but I'm not like actually like doing stuff there. Like I'm. I'm doing online classes. Well, exactly. not currently now, but I might start doing some like in the fall. I believe. Yeah. Exactly, and 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 one thing about myself as well, I also have someone um, that's going to college in the fall themselves. So, so I definitely want to be, you know, enjoying time with them as much as possible as well. You know, um, got a cousin that's getting ready to graduate college in August as well. You know, definitely want to see that. So, so it's and and that's and that's and that's definitely true because 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 no offense, college online people, it's very very hard. You know, take that as ever you want, but but we have to, you know, we you know. It, we have to always have these like set things because because we just have to you know and 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 of course and of course you know Blackheart you know he's gonna have his own podcast you know the seventh on the off the top rope and we definitely and we definitely need to start getting prepared for that you know because because mo- because mostly ladies and gentlemen you're probably going to be seeing me and Tavon now just do these two man shows or me myself just do solo shows if Tavon is not available which Tavon I'm always thankful that you always take the time. Um, for an hour or two to um, be indulged and let's and just talk um, just talk sports and stuff though. So I always yeah. appreciate that. Um, but anyway, so that's all for keeping it 200 episode 34. Though we're off tomorrow. We'll probably be back Monday night. If we're not back Monday night, we'll be back Thursday. Dave Tavon, talk to you later. Peace, everybody. Peace. Put on my chest and I hope I no benefit till I go jump off a cliff. 